It's time to lock in. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, exciting, thrilling finish. Live from Mobile, Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey LaBounty and Nick Wiggins. Do your job and play together. The final drive. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it! Welcome to a hump day edition of the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty along with Nick Wiggins joining you and we want to thank everybody for having us locked in and whether it's on the radio or whether it's on that free Sound of Mobile app that you can download to any Apple or Android device that you may have, we thank you. And also, you can call us the old-fashioned way. 251-694-1055 is how you can reach us here at WNSP 105.5. And today, for lunch, I had the opportunity to host the Crichton Optimist Club player of the year banquet and you know mobile alabama has so much talent it is unbelievable and i do mean it's unbelievable the amount of talent that we do have nick wiggins that we're able to watch every thursday or friday night in our area and that's why we devote six hours of coverage to high school football every friday night right here on wnsp yeah uh Mobile's got the best of the best, man. Who who in the, who was the uh, player of the year? So the Crichton Optimist Club player of the year was DJ Butler from Davidson. The offensive back of the year was Ryan Williams from Sarah Land. The offensive lineman of the year was Bo Cagle from Mobile Christian. The Crichton Optimist Club team of the year was the Mobile Christian Leopards and Followed by that was the Crichton Optimist Club Coach of the Year, which goes to Ronnie Cottrell. Mm -hmm. And from a defensive lineman standpoint, you had Antonio Coleman from Sarah Land. And from a defensive back standpoint, you had Ty Goodwill from Faith Academy. So all worthy award winners and how we went about that to become nominated through the Crichton Optimist Club. Of course, we have our Crichton Optimist Club Player of the Week through 14 weeks and through those weeks any player that was nominated at their position is eligible for the player of the year so it was some tremendous talent in that room today and in that banquet hall so we want to thank everyone who showed up and showed out for the Crichton Optimist Club end of the year football banquet and speaking of high school football a little bit of news coming out of Faith Academy today Legendary coach Jack French has officially retired from Faith Academy and high school football. And, and you look at the success of Jack French winning everywhere he has been. He's already a Hall of Famer in the state of Mississippi, won the National Coach of the Year. It was inducted into the National High School Athletic Coaches Association Hall of Fame last summer representing the state of Mississippi and you look at what he's been able to do at Baker and Baldwin County and also now at Faith Academy just winning everywhere he's been and just a tremendous 
leader of young men and being able to do it for so long. Jack French officially stepping down and retiring after 46 years in coaching. And that's uh, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, that's a great run, man. 46 years. I don't even know if uh, Lee Shervanian has been on the radio for 46 <laughs> years. Maybe he has. Hey, listen, they, they may be neck and neck in regards to, to how long they've been doing their profession, but two still outstanding young people. And I say young people because you're only as old as you feel. And Jack French getting out there every single day, whether it's 170 degrees outside or whether it's minus 32 70-year-old Jack French decides to go ahead and step away from Faith Academy. You so think we do Faith Academy's new coach is on the staff right now and will get promoted, or are they going to find someone from somewhere else, you think? You know, that's a, that's a hard call. That's a hard call. I know that administration there at, at, at Faith Academy probably would weigh all options. It's always good to be able to look from within because you have someone that the kids are very familiar with, you're familiar with the program, and there's nothing wrong with hiring from outside as well. And I know as we do go in today's show, politics and pigskins, those seem to be talked about a lot here with the College Football Committee's latest decision to leave out Florida State and you never thought it would get to the point and, and be as serious to where Florida's Attorney General, Ashley Moody, launches an antitrust investigation into Florida State's exclusion from the college football playoffs. And, of course, we've, we've seen the Governor Ron DeSantis chime in about what he feels about it. Now, what's done is done, Nick. So saying that you want to take a million dollars of of your state's next year's budget to put into the investigation and the examination of college football, my oh my, man. Politics yeah. and pigskins. I mean, what are we really doing there? What A million dollars? There's yes. a lot of things you could spend a million dollars on. Pro that would better the state of Florida, I think, than – I don't know what even is the best case scenario. There is no best case scenario. It's not like they're going to cancel the playoff. It's not like they're going to say this championship doesn't matter or anything like that. I just really don't understand what we're doing. I, I don't either from from that standpoint. I, I don't know what you have to gain from a political standpoint besides, I guess, trying to, to gain Knowles. votes yeah. um, in regards to showing your interest uh, for a particular team because the Florida Attorney General, she says she's a Florida Gator graduate, and she she just wants her state not to be overlooked. But even if you bring politics into the pigskin arena, what's done is done. You're, you're not going to be able to change it. Next year we're expanding to a 12-team college football format. There's going to be somebody who's really pissed off about that as well, or somebody who's going to be that 13th team that's on the outside looking in. So, I mean, what else do you do you expect them to do? I, I don't I don't know how getting politics or spending taxpayers' money better helps your circumstance of, of, of playing football in the college football playoffs. It doesn't, man. It doesn't. It's just a it's a waste of money, a waste of our 
of Florida taxpayers' dollars. It's ridiculous, but hey, they got two fake national championships out there in Florida now. So shout out to that state, UCF, FSU. Got to get the Gators <laughs> a fake chip. Maybe next year they'll be like the 13th seed right outside the playoff, and they can get their fake chip too. Now, I want to get your thoughts on this, and listeners chime in as well. We we all know we've been talking about the transfer portal ad nauseum, and we'll continue to talk about it, but today a judge issued a 14-day temporary restraining order allowing college athletes to transfer a second time and play immediately, and this judge ruling is from Judge Bailey in Northern West Virginia. Now you are ruling in favor of NCAA athletes seeking their second transfer because with this transfer portal, you'll allow to jump in there once. But now for you to, to come in and jump in a second time, now the judge says, yes, student athletes, you can do that. So even more politics and pigskin football I, I i like the fact that you're allowing young people if you're going to have nil money and allow them to make money you allow coaches to leave when they want to leave do you think there are red flags if you have a student athlete that transfers three or four times is that a red flag for the student athlete yeah it's a red flag but sometimes red flags aren't as bad as they may seem when you first see them. Sometimes there's other circumstances that lead to, uh, you know, that red flag being there. So let me get this straight, Corey. Right before this is all said and done, right now you can transfer once, and then you're, you can't transfer twice? Correct. And now they're saying, no, you actually can transfer twice. That is correct. Okay. So so mm -hmm. with this judge's ruling, you're I mean, able to like go ahead. think about like these Alabama quarterbacks who transferred to Alabama to hopefully have a run at maybe playing over Milrow or being like, you know, a legit competitor for that job. You know, now both those quarterbacks, I think every Alabama fan is fine never seeing them play quarterback for their team again. And, you know, these guys just got here. So, I mean, I guess they're playing, one's playing lacrosse now, but. You know, do they have the ability to continuously flip-flop? I guess I don't have a problem with that, but like you were saying earlier, it would be a red flag. If, well, is it a limit to two? Like, it can't be three. No, absolutely. Okay. The, the, the two was right where student-athletes were fighting for because the second time you weren't going to be allowed that waiver. You were going to have to sit out a year at the new school. So right. to grant immediate eligibility – not not having to sit out when you transfer that second time to be able to play without sitting. I see. I know that the NCAA made stricter guidelines and did pass out waivers on a case by case situation. And I know that the states that wanted the restraining order for this were Tennessee, West Virginia, where this judge judge's ruling was passed. Ohio, North Carolina, New York, Illinois, and Colorado. And now what you're doing is seeing it branched out to all of your NCAA student athletes. So I think that 
when you do look at case by case basis, I think that there are some extenuating circumstances that that will allow and should allow players to be able to play immediately based on if I transfer and, and my mom or grandma or my caretaker who raised me gets sick and I want to go back home and be closer to home so I can take care of, care of her or a family member, the NCAA in past situations has said, nope, you, you, you can't do that. We're going to regulate that. We're not going to allow. We're going to make you sit out an entire calendar year and wait. So, again, I, I think that you do have a situation to where, yeah, you can be a, a, a grad transfer and jump into the portal. Good, good call right there in regards to using the app and saying grad transfers can go twice. But if you are a non-graduate, then your average Joe is, is probably not your graduate student. And there are extenuating circumstances that does say that. And somebody else in the app says, what is there to investigate by the attorney general? The committee was tasked with picking people who they wanted to playoffs. They selected the teams they wanted. I agree with that 100%. I, I think that when you're in a situation to where you do have the attorney general, there are bigger and more riveting issues to delve upon in, in your job as attorney general than to sit and worry about college football. Now, if you want to sit up in the suites and enjoy your state's team participating in the game, by all means, go right ahead. But I, I just don't I don't see how jumping in as a politician besides the sway votes. You see, I wanted to help Florida. I wanted to help Florida State or I wanted to help my my state get in and allocate money to do that is the answer. And as far as the judges issuing rulings in West Virginia today to allow college athletes to transfer, non-grad students to transfer and be eligible immediately, I do think you have to have a case-by-case -case situation. And that is a case-by-case -case basis without question because the college football realm and landscape is definitely changing. It's not staying the same. It, it, it's it's huge when you look at the portal and when NIL and many people are saying just do away with the NCAA. But the biggest story there was this year in, in North Carolina wide receiver Tez Walker. And he had to set out plenty of games and didn't get a waiver until midseason. And he's an elite wide receiver. And he had extenuating waiting circumstances. So that's where I feel that, you know, you can go ahead and the NCAA does make some some very irrational decisions when it comes to the eligibility of NCAA college students, Nick. Don't know again. You think it should be case by case? I mean, like you were saying, like there's going to be a, a reason why one guy had to transfer a lot. And then sometimes it might even be all just football, right? Maybe you transfer somewhere. They say, hey, we're going to start you. You don't win the job. Someone else comes in they like better, that transfers in. I mean, as long as people can keep moving around and moving in, then you're going to have to have the flexibility and ability to move out. So, Agreed there. 
Today, we also have George Teague, Alabama Sports Hall of Famer, former national mm. champion, joining us at 4 o'clock. And we have our Senior Bowl show with Jim Nagy at 5. Jason Aponte will talk San Francisco 49ers at 3.30. We'll go into our NFL power rankings also here on the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Hey, this is Coach Tommy Tuberville, and you're listening to 105.5 WNSP. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LaBounty along with Nick Wiggins and Triple G. I know how much you love watching the NBA, but last night, man, Draymond Green, he strikes again. Yeah. This time to the head. I'm not going to choke you this time. I'm just going to go ahead and catch you with the corner of my elbow. Knocked out Yusuf Nurkic of the Suns. How you like Draymond Green, man? Would you? I mean, he's already punched out one of his teammates a year yeah. ago. Kind of sh- destroyed the team's chemistry. But to me, I know... He's kind of the modern-day bad boy, the modern-day Dennis Rodman, maybe even a little bit worse than what Ron Artest is. You can't take away from his gifts and his skills, but at some point in time, you're a cancer to your team, and he's just out of control, man. Yeah, he's hurting the team for sure. He puts uh, the Warriors in bad spots. I feel like he gets eliminated. Um or ejected in bad spots. He makes bad decisions and big crucial clutch moments. But all that being said, like it seems like Draymond will have the stupidest, most horrible play you've ever seen. But then, you know, right thereafter, he'll have a nice steal and set up a nice pass to get Curry, you know, an open three. So, I mean, you got to take the good with the bad. I do think he sets an intensity for that Warriors team, but he's just got to control himself a little more like, you know, you're a veteran. This would have been different five years ago. But now you're, like, on TNT. You do their commentaries sometimes. So you got to just have a little more self-control, uh, really, I think is what it comes down to. Now, like, he was just kind of flailing his arms around. I don't think he was purposely trying to, like, hurt uh, Nurkic. You, you don't think he knew Nurkic was standing right behind him? I do, but I don't think that he meant to, like, maybe deliver the blow that was delivered. So what he just, my man was supposed to duck before he swung his elbow? I don't it know. Was, I mean, it was, it was a flagrant. He got ejected. It I was, know. He and said rightfully he would have so. squared him up. Afterwards, he, he clarified yeah. his, said, listen, I'm a grown man. I would have turned around. I know how to punch. I know how to fight. I would have swung at him. But to me, if you're dirty... You're dirty. You can dis- you you can't disguise dirty. Disguise dirty for me. Draymond Green again. Chris Paul's is, good at disguising dirtiness. He's a really dirty player. But he doesn't get ejected and isn't choking people by the neck right. and is not a world champion the same way Draymond Green right. is. So I think that when you start looking at what Draymond Green did and you know, Nick Again, our, our little slice of, of basketball carved into it. But, I mean, who who is worse? Dennis Rodman, Ron Artest, or Draymond Green? Are those three perfect errors of what we're seeing in basketball there that 
they're all menaces and more cancerous than good. Um, I can't think of another player on Draymond's level in the NBA currently. I mean, he's always yelling at the refs and and you know, causing contact. Um, but see, I think what's different between him and Ron Artest and or Meta World Peace, whatever you want to call him, yeah. and Dennis Rodman is that Draymond is not just like the wild card. He's also like the leader of the team. Like I know Steph Curry's the best player on the team. Right. But I do think that Draymond is the leader and you would just expect him to be better than what I he mean, is. I mean, Steve Kerr said it, man. We need him. He, he we need him. We talked to Draymond. We've talked to him. He's got to find a way to keep his poise and be out there for his teammates. If you really want to be a good team, we need him. And uh, once again, I, you cannot disguise dirty. And what Draymond Green has done, he's already choked the man. He done put a man yes. to sleep in the choker hole from behind. So yes. don't tell me you're I ready to square people that. up and punch them in their I face, Nick. He, he, he grabbed my man from behind and yeah. choked him, yeah. not from the front. So don't give me that BS about wanting to square people up and look them in their eyes and I'm not a dirty player. Man, that's that, that's garbage. You can say that, you know, because nobody's buying that. And for Draymond to be the elite defender and the elite rebounder and probably a future Hall of Famer with the number Not of probably, rings he's won. Yeah, definitely. Man, you can't be doing that, brother. I know. See, sometimes I feel like he kind of leans into the antics to get eliminated, maybe. Like, I feel like sometimes he's like, man, you know what? I can just kind of pop off. I'll become the headline of the night. My podcast next week is going to get, you know, way more views and listens than it normally does. I'll pay whatever fine. It'll all even out at the end. So uh, my legs are hurting anyway. I'm just going to punch this guy. I'm just going to flail my arms around a little bit, and maybe it'll hit him. Maybe it'll knock him out, or maybe it'll cause at least some kind of, I don't know, something. He done put Ro but I Rudy don't Gobert think that to sleep. I don't think that the hit on Nurkic was as intentional as it uh, seemed. I don't think. How many games should he get for this, Nick? How many games? Because you've already suspended him once for for putting a man to sleep in a chokehold earlier in the I NBA game, and sleep. that was a jump ball. He did not put him to sleep. He didn't put him to sleep. Um, I don't know. Maybe six games. No. Absolutely no? not. Ten, no. ten to fifteen. Ten to fifteen. It's a repeated behavior. Saying the whole season. It's a repeated behavior. Well, don't do it. You want to stay and play? Don't Come do it. You obviously not you like don't he care. He looked him dead in the eyes and you know put his fists up and then you know did a jab. He put a man to sleep from behind. He put him in a sleeper hole, bruh. And then he turned around now and his elbowed a man from behind. Man, this dude. Is a menace Double not digit only minimum? Well, I thought we were always talking about how soft the league was today. I look, Draymond ain't nothing Isn't soft Draymond about bringing the way the intensity he plays. You got to control that y'all old heads love. Control your intensity. <laughs> you control your intensity. Control the way you go about playing the game of basketball. It, 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 do you, is that the way you play basketball no. as a teammate? 
No, no, no. Well, that that's my whole point, man. Look, Draymond's over the hill. He's doing. He's fighting to stay relevant. He is clawing to stay yeah. relevant and to make an impact on his team. He's over the hill, um, but he still has all the knowledge, the basketball knowledge and intangibles that you want, and the intensity that you want. You just gotta harness it, rein it in, because the skill is lacking. I mean, my guy's airballing layups. <laughs> he can't shoot anymore. Um. Just wanted to get your thoughts, man, on Draymond Green. I wanted to catch I like you on Draymond. that. I like Draymond. I think Draymond's a top five defensive player in NBA history. I, I won't argue with what he's been able to do, but his history for his on-court antics and yeah. his tr- the way he treats his teammates is trash. I know. My guy, my guy ha- you could probably put together a whole three-minute highlight reel of just uh, him like hitting people, not even include a single basketball play. It's all the nut kicks and the punches. And it's the ridiculous. It, it, it's gone to beyond ridiculousness. I do like him, though. What can I say? Well, I you'll like get him. an opportunity to see him after commissioner relieves him of probably about 10 to 15 games. And I say 10-game like minimum. 10-game minimum for repeated behavior that, that's inexcusable for the NBA. Give me C- eight. Eight. You say eight, he's going to get double digits, Nick. I'm sorry to say it. Here it is, Jason Aponte. We we talk NFL Power Five with Jason Aponte. The 49ers, through week three or four, they were right up there at number one. They disappeared off of that map and have come back and finished strong. We'll talk to Jason Aponte about the 49ers and what they have cooking next here on The Final Drive. This is Richie Riley, the head men's basketball coach of South Alabama. There's nothing better than listening to WNSP Sports Radio, 105.5 FM. Welcome back to the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Corey Bounty, along with Nick Wiggins, joining you on this hump day Wednesday edition. And we love to talk NFL football because you get the double header on last Monday night and then you get the San Francisco 49ers revving things up in their division and the 49ers are kind of an enigma when you look at the way that they got things started in the NFC West started off 5-0 lost three in a row and people were saying Brock Purdy plenty of tape on this young fella now we we've got him figured out the 49ers said not so fast my friend we're going to win five more in a row are now 10 and three one of the best nfl teams that are around and jason aponte joins us from niners nation sprint right podcast is also how you can check him out jason welcome to the final drive my friend how's it going Corey? how's it going nick it's uh it's a fun time right now uh in 49er land uh five in a row three three down and then five in a row you know i mean this team is consistent if not anything else (laughs) yeah they are i mean i I just know that everything really has begins and ends with the way brock purdy has played and and he's a quiet front runner for league mvp and if the 49ers continue to win and he continues to, to to be efficient is it? Do you think he has a chance, really, to win the league's most valuable player? 
he 100% belongs in the conversation. And when you look at the metrics that he leads in, most of the time when a quarterback leads in these metrics, it more often than not, if not 100% of the time, leads to an MVP. Now, the reason that people are skeptical are because he's the last pick in the draft. And, and people have a tough time wrapping their head around it because you've never seen anything like it. But going through some of his numbers, they're just sparkling. I mean, he's 21st in the league in attempts. He's number one in completion percentage, 70.2. 9.9 yards per attempt. Uh, 7% touchdown percentage. I mean, he's number one in quarterback rating. He is number one in average yak, uh, yards after the catch, but it's still lower than the number that Patrick Mahomes had in the year that he won MVP. So that argument's a little bit debunked. And his interception rate is 1.9%. I mean, when you look at the way this offense has been operating, the only example that we have of it operating to this level is under Kyle Shanahan in Atlanta, and guess who won the MVP that year? It was Matt Ryan. I just, I just think it's, it's a fascinating, it's a fascinating discussion because people just don't know how to process this. Well, when you look at the 49ers' success, is it, is it due to the offensive side of the football? Is it due to the defensive side of the football? What really has been the 49ers' push and and reason for them to get back on the winning side of things? Well, offense is always going to be the main show, right? Very much like in baseball, chick stick, the long ball. Everybody loves that, right? But I think what's a little bit of an underrated aspect is out of the bye week, the 49ers were struggling defensively, and they were struggling to figure out how their pass rush would connect with their secondary. That has been cleaned up since Steve Wilkes has actually come down. They've actually, you know, they lost Tyron Ohufunga, which is no you know, short thing to lose and just go ahead and keep going because he's an all-pro. But Jair Brown, their third-round pick, has absolutely stepped in and played very well. I mean, the back end has looked very good. Um, you know, they, they made a, a big change where Mooney Ward was actually going to follow any receiver, and you saw that on Thanksgiving against D.K. Metcalf and again against D.K. Metcalf for a little while before he left that game. But the Amador Lenore being kicked inside, Embry Thomas, their other third-round pick from about two years ago, is now outside. Everything is being married right now on defense. When you add Chase Young to Nick Bosa, things get really easy, I think, on the back end. But the offense is always going to be the, the highlight, and Debo Samuel has been incredible, looking very much like his 2021 you know, uh, version, version, I would say. But I think the defense is, is right now an underrated aspect that nobody's really paying attention to right now because they look like that defense we thought it would be from the beginning of the year. Let's talk about the addition of Chase Young and what he's meant to this 49ers defense and opposite Nick Bosa. You know how hungry he is, but when you put those two guys coming after the quarterback, I, I mean, that it, it makes you kind of sit and scratch your head as to where defense is always supposed to travel. You mentioned how chicks dig the long ball and the offensive side of things, and you may struggle offensively, but during that three-game losing streak, the 49ers were kind of struggling defensively, something you wouldn't expect with Chase Young and Nick Bosa at the helm on the ends. Yeah, and I think right now what it was was a little bit of just kind of marrying it all together. You bring in Chase Young during the bye week to bring him in and add more, and you say, well, how much more do they need? They've already added Javon Hargrave, who was the number one free agent. You know, Eric Armstead was, was having himself a fine time, and Nick Bosa kind of was, I guess, People would say underwhelming after he signed his contract. I wouldn't. The pressures were there. So for me, when you look at the pressures and you see it, it's a levy that's about to break. And then out of the bye, Steve Wilkes has done so many creative things trying to confuse offensive lines. I mean, mugging Nick Bosa and Chase Young over the guard and center when you would normally think they're on the edge, it's just a nightmare because you weren't preparing for that at all. So when you have athletes that can win normally, 
with just talent, and then you're pairing it up with creativity and the back end is covering, that's what you're seeing from this defense right now. And they've been tested. They haven't. It's not like they haven't been tested. I mean, Seattle has D.K. Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Jackson Smith and Jeeva, and Philadelphia, A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith, and, you know, the 49ers, for all intents and purposes, both race both of them. Um, and that's kind of what you're seeing is right now the, the defense rounding into shape just in time for the stretch line. We're talking with Jason Aponte, again, from Niners Nation and Sprint Right Podcast is how you can tune in and, and see all the great things and the articles and the interviews that he has for the San Francisco 49ers. And, you know, Christian McCaffrey, he, he's just been that steady workhorse. But so far, wide receiver Ayuk has had his best and most productive season in the NFL thus far from a number standpoint you, you you can't take anything away from the job that he's been able to do no I mean back-to-back 1,000 yard seasons he has a contract coming up this is very much a young man that is rounding into shape and when you look at that draft class I mean listen to the names that are in this draft class with him CeeDee Lamb who's been absolutely incredible this year Justin Jefferson aside from the injuries has been probably one of the most productive the most productive wide receiver in the history of the game through his first four seasons you know t higgins and and brandon are you kind of just gets you know i guess lost in the sauce a little bit because those are some big names but yeah i, I mean the young man he went through his struggles with kyle shanahan in which kyle needed him to block better no block no rock and Brandon Ayuk came out of the out of the end on the back end uh, just better for it, and he you know you can watch Christian McCaffrey on the first run of the game, uh, which was 72 yards against the Seattle Seahawks. What you would notice if you weren't looking at him running through everybody is you notice Brandon Ayuk downfield blocking and and you know just doing everything that any team player would want. Brandon Ayuk is turning into a true professional on top of the fact of being the the team's best route runner in my opinion. Also, when you do look at the crash course that the 49ers are setting up right now, the two hottest teams in football are the Dallas Cowboys and the San Francisco 49ers. And I know a lot of people that love old school, early 90s football, late 80s football, are very familiar with the National Football Conference Championship being between the Cowboys and the 49ers. With the way things are going right now, do you think we'll have an opportunity to possibly see that this postseason? I, I mean, everything's possible. I mean, this is going to be, I think, if I'm not mistaken, two of the last three years that they've actually met in the playoffs. The 49ers have eliminated them um, both times, and then they did play on Sunday Night Football, in which the 49ers really made a statement in that game. But I would, I would caution a little bit about Dallas, only because – We've seen Dallas year after year kind of beat up on teams that they're supposed to, which is not a knock in any way, right? Like, if you're doing what you're supposed to, you shouldn't take that down. But until they really show, I mean, they did beat the Philadelphia Eagles, but I would say right now the Philadelphia Eagles are a little bit in scramble mode um, trying to figure some things out. And their only other win against the team with a winning record was the Seattle Seahawks. So um, I have too much of a track record with the Dallas Cowboys and not beating the teams that they're supposed to for me to jump on board and just automatically say, uh-oh, here they come. I I've seen this movie too many times, I would say, Corey. Yeah, I think a lot of America's team fans have definitely seen this script too many times since the early 90s. But when you do go back and you look – at that absolute kicking of the can that the 49ers gave the Cowboys back at the beginning of October 
42 to 10. We had to wait for our Sunday night football, and that's exactly what we saw. The 49ers absolutely dominate the Cowboys. And then that's when all of a sudden you were looking for the 49ers to creep up on the Dolphins' perfect season possibly. And the next week, that's when the three-game losing streak comes. You lose to the Cleveland Browns. You lose to the Minnesota Vikings. You lose to the Cincinnati Bengals. And then all of a sudden, right back to 34-3 to winners over the Jacksonville Jaguars. And it's been pretty much the 49ers handling business since then. Yeah, out of the bye week again, you add Chase Young, Steve Wilkes comes down from the booth to the sideline with, and makes defensive adjustments. I think what's kind of lost in those three games is that Trent Williams and Debo Samuel are not there. And while I think it's, it's such a, a great argument to say that Christian McCaffrey is the, the straw that like stirs the drink for the 49ers, Debo Samuel is the heartbeat of this football team. They go as he goes. And when he's not there, there's a little bit of edge that's missing. There's a physicality that's missing on top of the fact that Debo Samuel is one hell of a football player when he has the ball in his hands. In his last three games, he has over 300 receiving yards, six total touchdowns. Looks like a guy who at any moment can be your home run hitter. But this team, they go as Debo Samuel does. So getting him back, getting him back in the flow, you beat Jacksonville, who was a playoff team last season, and then you get back to winning your ways. It's a little bit of a physical edge, and it's a little bit of a, a swagger that Debo Samuel brings to this team. So I would say he's the heartbeat and the most important player on this team because they go as he does. Debo Samuel, that that young man, you know, he comes down to the Reese's Senior Bowl and absolutely puts on a, a tremendous display of his talent coming out of South Carolina. Basically, his his practice film leading up to the game, that's where you could leave it. You, he, he didn't even have to participate in the game to see Debo Samuel just absolutely embarrass people. So what a tremendous draft pick there by the 49ers in evaluating that talent, knowing the way that he could fit into the 49ers system. Yeah, I mean, Kyle Shanahan, he went down there um, for that senior bowl, and he got a really good look at him. And, you know, there was a lot of great players there, too. You know, Debo Samuel gets drafted. Terry McLaurin, who I was very high on as well, um, ends up in Washington. And you just you, – you look at what Debo does. It It is such a benefit to have someone who you can literally – either hand the football off to or throw throw the ball to, and he can be a home run hitter. You know, credit to the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan for being able to utilize that skill set to the point that now this is such a copycat league that every single team now is kind of looking for their version of Debo. But I've got bad news. There's just one Debo Samuel. I agree with you there. And for our local listeners here with the South Alabama Jaguar flavor, earlier in the year, a couple of weeks ago, as a matter of fact, or a few weeks ago, you text me and said, Corey, Darrell Luter Jr., back in uniform for the San Francisco 49ers. I couldn't be happier for him once you sent me that message. But Darrell, getting back into the action of things, has played in three games, two total tackles. But it's good to see Darrell Luter Jr. back in action for the 49ers after coming off that injury. 100%. And, and I think you, you asked me before, Corey, you know, before, like, I think it was like two appearances before whether this would be a redshirt year. Kind of maybe felt like that, but, you know, it, it's great to see him get back out there contributing on special teams. Um, the good thing about this team and the culture is, is you know, obviously Darrell Luter is being brought here, I think, to be the next cornerback for this team, right, on the outside. But as of right now, there's no spot for that because you do have three guys that are playing very good football at this point. But 
you have to contribute somewhere, right? So when your number's called, what do you do? And I think that's what Darrell Luter has shown in practice. I think the team shows a lot of uh, a lot of trust in him and, and a lot of confidence in him and what they think he can do. But it's a credit to the young man for fighting through the injury. When his number's called, no matter what it is that they want him to do, he's been contributing. I think he did miss last week uh, just with an injury, but he, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he's back in practice. So it's good to have, um, especially with depth, and, and we're getting to the stretch run, especially with injuries. And I, I believe Mooney Ward is in danger of missing um, Sunday's game against the Arizona Cardinals. So if Darrell Luter's there, you know, and, and, you know, God forbid something else happens, he might be pressing the duty. So it's good that he's preparing himself and keeping himself ready to go. Um, I think that's an underrated aspect of his game. Jason, how can people follow all of your tremendous coverage of the Sprint Right Option podcast along with Niners Nation? Um, it, you know, NinersNation.com is exactly where you guys can go. If you guys want to subscribe to the Sprint Right Option podcast, you can. Any way that you get your audio podcast. Um, and you can subscribe to my YouTube channel. Um, just search Jason Aponte. should come up, Jason Aponte 49ers. That's where I'll be live streaming. I have a show a little bit later today in about an hour on there where we'll be discussing Cam Newton's uh, thoughts on uh, on what a game manager is, and that includes Brock Purdy and everything else 49ers. But uh, appreciate you, Corey. Appreciate you, Nick, for having me on. Absolutely. We look forward to talking to you during this stretch run for the 49ers as they try to establish supremacy in the NFC and in the NFL as well. And we'll talk to you again very soon. Thank you, guys. Talk to you soon. All right. Jason Aponte, Niners Nation, Sprint Right Option podcast. The 49ers, what do you folks think? I think they're the number one ranked NFL power rankings team right now, Nick. Yeah, you can't. You can't put anyone over them because, I mean, you would maybe think Dallas, but no, you look back, oh, they beat them like 40-15. So yes, it absolutely. Has, it has to be uh, San Francisco. No one else is playing at their level and more consistent. Win healthy. Absolutely. Love to catch up with Jason Aponte and encourage you to follow him as well. The final drive will wrap up our number one right after this. Hey, this is former Mobile TV sportscaster Eric Clemens, and when I'm in town, I listen to 105.5 FM Sports Radio, WNSP. Welcome back to the final drive, and man, having a little discussion in the app, I'm trying to defend my guy Draymond. Can't do it. Can't do it. Well, look, I can understand not liking Draymond. I can totally understand that. But you can't discredit him as a player, his legacy, and, you know, what he means to the Golden State Warriors. Golden State Warriors aren't winning 73 games if Draymond is not on that team. They're not winning all the championships that they have if Draymond is not on that team. You know, Kevin Durant, he came and went. Draymond, he's been there the whole time. Iggy, he came and went. Draymond, been there the whole time. I get that he can be dirty. Yeah, he's definitely dirty. He caught my man with an elbow. I don't think he meant to. It needed. He meant it to be as hard as it was. He was ripping his arm away. I think he was expecting. He was trying to draw a foul, and and have Nurkic kind of holding his arms down, and he just kind of flailed a little bit. Look, that's kind of what you do in the NBA. You gotta. You got to sell it. And sell it. my guy just, he just uh, didn't calibrate it right, I don't think. Yeah, I tell you what's going to be calibrated right 
is the commissioner's number of games he's going to suspend him. You say it should be single digit. It's definitely a double digit suspension. I mean, but my it's man, not like they were. It's not like Draymond was like, "Let's fight." It's not like his teammates were like, "Hold him back." They had to hold him hey, back. He didn't say he that pulled, when he choked he out Rudy away, Gobert he either. Spun around, and that's what happened. No, I mean, it, come on. Sometimes, if you've played basketball, you've gotten hit, you know, in the head. Digits. So, double digits. I think he needs to be punished, but it wasn't malicious. Very malicious. I know people think it is because of his history, but I'm not seeing it. Yeah. Okay, he's definitely going to get a 10 or more game suspension. He's going to be put on notice. He's hurting the Golden State Warriors' chances. Clay Thompson is, too. He's not he shooting the sucks. ball well. Now. He's not shooting the ball well. He'll turn it on in the second half. But we'll turn on George Teague. Yes, sir. Alabama Sports Hall of Famer. National champion for the Crimson Tide. Giving us Teague's take. Not only on the red-hot Dallas Cowboys, but also on the Alabama Crimson Tide preparing for the Michigan Wolverines. George Teague up next here on the final drive. This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station, 105.5 FM, WNSP, and on the Sound of Mobile app. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Hine, Lee Shervanian, and Michael Brawner. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark, Lee, and Michael. Number two, you got your 2024 fall plans all set for you, Lee. It's good to know, you know, now it's a little bit easier to plan it. And I think what the SEC said they're going to do is give advance notice of when the games are going to be played once the SEC media days take place. So you'll have a better idea maybe the first six weeks or so of what time you can make plans far in advance rather than wait from week to week. To that, we bring in our good friend from ESPN and uh, SEC Network, Paul Feinbaum, who I look not not because he's on the show, but I thought of all the analysts, he was the best yesterday. And I'll tell you why. (laughs) Paul, good morning. How are you today? Thank you, Lee. Good morning, and, and thank you in advance of whatever you're about to say. I, here's the deal. <laughs> it doesn't take much to get my interest or to get to make me laugh, especially at night. I, I didn't sit through the two hours like Mark did. I don't have the stamina, but I stayed through week to week to week. And I thought when they came to you and you somehow, some way pulled out the little nugget of Austin, Texas, not only being a football weekend, but Formula One, that I'm like, what? Where did that come from? Well, it's funny, Lee. Uh, I remember uh, Greg Sankey gave me the idea. He went. Uh, uh, com- the commissioner told me he went to uh, the, the F1 race in Austin last year. And I don't know how much you, you follow that sport. Uh, I went to a uh, an IndyCar race this year in Birmingham. I was the Grand Marshal, so I've taken more of an interest in. I mean, literally everybody in the world was there. I mean the the, the head of Disney was there, uh, all my bosses at ESPN, Prince Harry was there, all the, uh, I mean, every mega, I'm not talking about B-list, I'm not talking about A-list, I'm talking about uh, Taylor Swift-like characters, so he got me interested, and then I was talking to somebody uh, the other day who, who had seen the schedule, and he said, you're, you're going, and that, it just stuck in the back of my head, I had 25 pages of notes, and I don't think I used any of them, because I was much more interested as you were 
in, in listening to Tim Tebow's analysis of the week to week, weren't you? No, I was interested in yours, <laughs> to be honest with you. To be, and when I heard you say that you, you, know, you pal around with Prince Harry, and I'm thinking, my gosh, he's going to be on People magazine pretty soon because every week it's either Charles or Harry or whatever. So anyway, I, I thought that was a very interesting. But, but anyway, I, you know, I don't, I don't think it got much. I'm glad you caught it because Tebow immediately went into some. I mean, I, I work with Tebow every week, yeah. but. Uh, it didn't really last because there was it, it was somebody went on to something else far far more important afterwards. Um, but I, I will make you that promise that the as big as the Georgia Texas game is, and it's probably among the two or three best games of the year in the in the SEC, it will not be bigger than that event in Austin. I don't I don't doubt it. People have told me I don't follow Formula One, but I've heard it's huge now. Joey Galloway kind of summed up what you're kind of alluding to. The fact is you can, we can sit here and analyze these games till ad nauseum. We don't know who's going to be playing in some of these games. We don't know who's going to be quarterbacking. We don't know if guys are coming and going. I did want to point out and ask you, uh, these are things that I noticed in the brief time that I watched it, uh, and, and I maybe pulled out some of the nuggets of what you thought the most important things were. But Tennessee getting four straight home games, I know there's a buy in there, but that's incredible. And the fact I thought they might break up the Auburn, you know, uh, uh, Alabama, Georgia, you know, in the same year, maybe go 1 1 rather than uh, going on the road twice. And that didn't happen, but I can't believe that Tennessee gets four home games in a row. Yeah, I mean, there were, there were certain criteria. I, I, I think they, they noted it last night, but there was so much information, it was hard to follow. But all the non conference games that were already scheduled could, could not be moved. Uh, so that made it more complicated. You had the double buys, you heard. They tried very hard to keep the rivalry games at the end of the year. and They, 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 they really kept most of them. Uh, I mean, Alabama-Arbert, I think, was number one on that list, uh, along with Texas and Texas A&M. I mean, that, that, game was, that, that game was determined literally two and a half years ago, and, and you remember that controversy. But uh, that, that's what I was simply trying to provide. I mean, I'm not going to – I mean, nobody really can get into the weeds of what these games mean. But clearly, I think Texas was the biggest star. Uh, I mean, they have so many games that are that are just mind-boggling when you consider Texas at Michigan, Texas Texas A&M at the end of the year, Texas OU, uh, Texas Georgia. I mean, it is an endless stream of of high-quality games, just like Alabama. I mean, the Alabama Georgia game is the game is, is the most anticipated game of the entire season for for good reason. Yeah, and how about you, uh, LSU having to open with Southern Cal and then a couple weeks later, UCLA? So I think they also have one of the more difficult, combined with the non-conference schedule, one of the more difficult yeah. schedules. Yeah, LSU will be uh, 2-0 and in the Big Ten by the end of September. <laughs> He's Paul Feinbaum. He joins us here on WNSP. A couple things also I, that you alluded to last night, uh, which I thought were interesting, was the fact that no cupcake right before the Iron Bowl uh, I, I think that's that's going to prove difficult. I know we like to sit here and talk about that game for two weeks. We don't have that luxury this this upcoming season. No, and I actually said something last night without even looking at the schedule. I, I said, well, there's no more Mercer the week before. <laughs> <laughs> Mercer's actually the week before yeah. the Oklahoma game. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I, I thought that was – I mean, let, let's be honest. Everybody got screwed last night. I mean, there's no other, there's no getting around it. I mean, it was uh, nobody really came away very well. I mean, everybody has impossible games, uh, and <laughs> I think the Oklahoma game before the Auburn game is, is extremely difficult. But the good news is, that <laughs> you can tell I was up late last yeah, night. Yeah. The Auburn game uh, is at home, and, and everybody knows that's a completely different game. But you know, the one 
thing I said at the end, I don't know how many people were left, and there was only about 30 seconds to mention it, but the, the, the debate over nine versus eight games, I, I'm not sure how, how, how hardy that debate is going to be, Lee, because can you imagine adding every, giving everyone another conference game? And that was almost uh, yeah. considered uh, automatic until they decided to pause it for a year. But I don't know many SEC coaches who are going to want to play another conference game. And they probably wouldn't like this idea. But I, I know that the SEC has mandated you play a Power 5 team uh, in addition to right. your 8. But I would really like to see them say no more FCS games. I would, too. Uh, and, you know, every time I say what I'm about to say, I get a call from a AD or a president at some small school. But I'm sorry. I don't care. I don't want to see the games. We're, we're, we're talking – I mean, college – College football is, is, is many things, but it's, it's, it's also a, a television entertainment product, and, and I don't think fans really want to waste four hours. I, I know it's great if your son or da- your son or grandson or nephew is, is a walk-on at Alabama or Auburn, and that's the one game they get in. And I have a friend uh, whose son is a walk-on, and it was a big deal to get, to get, a, to get in for that, the Mercer game or the Georgia Southern game. But fans don't want to see that anymore. So I gotta, I'm, I gotta believe that Drink knew the schedule before you guys quizzed him last night. So those that don't didn't see it, uh, he he was at a recruit's house doing this interview live. Laura, he's like, I don't even know what the schedule is. Laura went through the whole schedule and then y'all gave him a pop quiz and dude recited it week by week. He had to have known before, right? Or is he just like the Rain Man of SEC coaches? No, he is not the Rain Man. Uh, it is my fervent belief, Mark, that the schools have had this schedule for about two months. Gotcha. And because I, I, I have a friend who is in, not, not, he's not at the SEC, but he, he's kind of in the middle of it all. And he gave me most of the highlights of the schedule weeks ago. And there's no way every coach didn't know the schedule. So, you know, I'm just. I'm just making a point, okay? Yeah. All right, and so so Joey says uh, you look the same as you've always looked. Is that because you you still look young, or because you've always looked old? I, I, I looked old at high school graduation, so uh, <laughs> it, it, it it really is amazing. Uh, I mean, I was uh, you know it, it it's pretty obvious when you start losing your hair at, in college. Uh, it starts thinning. Uh, you age quickly, and uh, I, uh, I, mean, I, I hear that all the time. It, it's impossible to, to, to really look at yourself objectively. Uh, I think the biggest advantage, Mark, I've had probably in the last 10 years in terms of aging, uh, once I, I, I got out of my 50s, is, is the quality of makeup that ESPN uses versus the, the local TV makeup I used to use. I want to ask you another question before I get to Mark's got a couple of interesting questions to ask you. When you go to Texas for that Georgia game in the Formula One, who will have the most fan appeal, you or Prince Harry? Uh, you know, you did not know this. But I'm about to drop a bomb on you that uh, my, grand, uh, my paternal grandfather was born in London. So there's a chance wow. that uh, we may we may not be part of the royal family, but we we've at least rubbed shoulders with the royal family. I'm sure my my grandfather was uh, the gardener for the for somebody that used to work at Buckingham Palace. Uh, so or, there's a chance that maybe that family tree doesn't branch out quite as far as they'd like, or maybe too far. 
And I do feel like I know Prince Harry since I've, uh, I'll speak a little bit out of school here, but I've, I've seen his uh, current wife in bed countless times on the uh, Netflix show Suits. Hey there now, you and me both. <laughs> now we're now now we're really uh we're we're really this sounds like one of those FM jock morning shows. Yeah, finally it's exactly what I've always wanted. Yeah, all we're missing is Howard Stern right now. No, I can play that role. Well, yeah. <laughs> let me let me uh let me be Howard Stern for a second and see how long I, I last on this segment. Uh all right, before we let you go, uh by the way, if you haven't seen Private Parts, the movie about Howard Stern, and if you've ever done any radio in your life, you would truly appreciate oh, that. My it's such a great show. Uh, a great movie. All right, I got to ask you two quick questions. Uh your thoughts, I know uh, Alabama Michigan is is this Alabama's game to lose at this point? Well, it's interesting. I had uh, Billy Walters on the other night, uh, the famed gambler who which has a book out and he he uh he surprised me. He, you know, he, 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 said, he said something interesting. He said, I could have sold my tips for $20 million. I mean, I, I, had, the, I had the market cornered and said he wrote a book that probably sold 5,000 copies. But he, 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 he seemed to like Michigan in the game. He said the right team is favored. I like Alabama. I, I just, I, I'm kind of with the public uh, on this. I just feel like uh, there are so many factors, but the biggest factor is speed. I, I don't think Michigan, even against Ohio State, across the board sees the kind of speed that they'll see not only from Jalen Milrow, but especially on defense. All right. And then that leads to my second question, Paul, which is this, will Alabama's, will the outcome of their run through the college football playoff ultimately impact Nick Saban's decision on whether to keep going, retire or whatever? You know, Mark, I think that's a question that will start being asked uh, as we uh, move closer to Pasadena. But uh, I have no insight on this. I think it, I, I think it was interesting. Uh, I don't know if you did. When he went into the media room after the Georgia game, he, he said he'd never been that tired in his life. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of us a lot of us can relate to that. But you know, when you cover, uh, and I know both of you have covered. Uh, I mean, it's a long season. Uh, and uh, there just isn't much time. Uh, so I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I think I think the and the problem for 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 Nick Saban is like every coach. Instead of you know at least getting away to go to the lake or, or relax or take a spin in his car, his Ferrari. His Ferrari I mean, right. you're immediately on the recruiting trail. So I I, I don't think he's really thought about that. Uh, you know, I, I can't tell you. I, I know uh, know or don't know that he will. But I don't know how you can be. Uh, at his point in life and, and not at least think about it and talk to your family about it. If you're correct about Alabama beating Michigan, do they face Texas in a rematch college football playoff championship? I do think so. And and I've already made a decision and last night inspired me even more. You, you know, I'm, you know, Lee, I get caught up in all these, uh, you know, you're an sec guy. I get, you know, all the Michigan people, all the Florida state people, but if Alabama plays Michigan, excuse me, I mean, they will play Michigan. If Alabama beats Michigan and then loses to Texas on January 8th or January 9th, if Alabama loses to Texas, I am going to consider that a victory for the SEC. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, I, I know that Texas, Texas has played its last Big 12 game. Yeah. Uh, that, that that was that was too weird. So I, they're no longer. I, I no longer officially recognize them in the Big Twelve. I officially recognize Texas in the SEC. So if that happens, 
we will have an all-SEC final in Houston. So the decree has been made here on WNSP on this day. They shall for now be known as an SEC team. <laughs> hey, uh, Paul, great stuff, man. Thanks for getting up early. I know it was a late night, but we enjoyed it last night. Enjoyed it this morning. Have a great weekend. Thanks, Mark. Talk soon. Yep, that's Paul Feinbaum, ladies and gentlemen. All right, we went long. Traffic and weather are next, uh, and we'll take uh, your reaction to that and the schedules. Eli Gold at 730. A lot going on here. It's a Thursday edition of the opening kickoff right here on the sports station, WNSP and WNSP.com. This is Chris Samuels. You're listening to WNSP 105.5. Roll Tide. And God bless. All right, 724. We got some time if you'd like to jump in. We encourage you to do so at 694-1055. A lot of NBA talk, a lot of SEC schedule talk. Transfer portals uh, is a mess. So, uh, as always, got a lot going on. Certainly the NBA takes a back seat, uh, and it usually does before Christmas. And I think even with Christmas, with the NFL having games on Christmas, but I just can't help but think that as much as they'll come publicly out and really tell you how disappointed they are in Draymond Green's behavior, if sitting inside the the boardroom, the suits are saying, you know, at least we're getting some publicity. Uh, Any publicity is good publicity. And so they've suspended Draymond Green indefinitely. Uh, How long that goes, who knows? Um, So not only that, then you have a game ball issue. I've never heard of anything like that before where – uh, one team wanted the game ball, and the other team, even though they're on the other team's court, took the game ball into the locker room. And is there just one game ball? Are there two game balls? When Giannis scored his 64 points, were they all on the same game ball? I mean, was it the same ball, or was there a different ball? They had a little bit of a scuffle, nothing dramatic, nothing like getting hit in the face by Jermon Green. But it's certainly, again, the NBA will say, oh, this is not good for us. But, like I'm saying, now they're in the headlines. They're, they're talking about it. Syndicated shows are talking about Draymond Green. Guests are talking about it. And whether you like the guy or not, he is adding publicity to an NBA season which takes a backseat to the NFL, college football, and some other sports. But now they're in the mainstream. When I heard uh, indefinitely, obviously we talked about it yesterday, we said three games, ten games, Lee up to 12 games. So what are we thinking indefinitely means? Over, under, forever? Hard, hard to say. You know, you still have Jay Morant out, right, on suspension for Memphis. I don't know when – I mean, we don't usually hear about – you know, usually when they suspend people in the NFL at six games, eight games for the whole year. Did you see where Orlando McClain was uh, – his suspension was lifted? I hadn't heard that name in a while. The former Alabama linebacker. Been a minute. Now he's uh, an unrestricted free agent. He can sign with anybody. But when was the last time he played? He'll be back December 25th. That's my prediction for the game against uh, at Denver. Okay, that's one of their Christmas Day games. They will suspend him through the 23rd. They will make him available on the 25th. Way to go, Mark. That's my guess. If I if 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 we're if we're just spitballing here, so that's. Uh, He's got that's one, two, three, four, five, six. That's six games, which is under that's under what we thought it would be, but it's basically two weeks. And he had the 
what, five-game suspension? Uh, a little less than two weeks. Okay. So this is his sixth suspension. He's been ejected 18 times. And basically they came out with the same statement they've been doing because of his recent behavior. That's why they're going ahead and suspending him. You can't, no matter what he says, you can't have a player constantly going out there and hitting people. <laughs> I mean, just think about it. You can't. All right. Fair enough. Uh, I can't argue that. Now, for the record, by the way, Giannis, Giannis ran out of the building, out of the sta uh, arena, and ran around the concourse, right? He ran through the locker room and came back on the other side so he could, he could actually confront Indiana Pacers. So, dude hit 64. They took the ball. Now, they're saying they took the ball because one of their guys scored their first NBA points, and they wanted him to have the ball. I think it's valid. I think it's horse. Patoots. You think that's valid to give a guy who scored his first point the oh, basketball? No. You're saying the excuse is a legit excuse. Yeah. On the when you're on the road, knowing that the guy on the other team scored a franchise high 64, I think they were just bitter that they got rocked for 64 by a single guy. I like Oscar Shibway. He wants the ball. He should. He yeah. should have it. All right, coming up, uh, Eli Gold, the voice of the Crimson Tide, set to join us next right here on the Sports Station. Paul Perillo at 8 o'clock on the Patriots. Justin Ferguson at 8.30 on Auburn. It's the opening kickoff right here on the Sports Station, WNSP. for hanging with us on a Thursday edition. It's the opening kickoff. Mark Lee and Bronner all in the studios of WNSP. And thanks to Dex Imaging, we get to talk with the uh, voice of the Crimson Tide football program. That would be Mr. Eli Gold. Eli, good morning. How are you today? I am well, thank you. How are you guys doing? We're doing wonderful, and we're so glad to have you on with us. You know, I think back to last December, and I think that was about the time oh. you finally found out what the issue was so i know happy holidays to you this must be a much oh, better very december. happy holidays december the third excuse me december 23rd of last year is when they walked into my hospital room and said well eli merry christmas and you've got cancer that was december 23rd of last year uh so yeah this has been a it's been a whirlwind, whirlwind 365 days, or very close to that, and uh, there's been a lot to be thankful for, and, and, and this holiday season has taken on a, a, a heightened significance for me and for the entire family. It really has. And again, for those not familiar, you had actually been in the hospital, what, since the previous May, I think? Something like yeah, that. well, actually, before that, on and off, I was in the hospital for a total of 243 days. So basically over seven months or so, um, eight months, what have you, um, they were searching for what was wrong with me. And, um, you know, a lot of different things went on. And uh, I'm not going to go through the whole story, but it, it took a long time for them to figure out what it was because some of the medicines they were giving me for other things uh, were, were masking the fact that I had cancer. 
So they tested for cancer right off the bat, nothing there. They tested for this, they tested for that, nothing there. Uh, long story short, I had had cancer for about seven months before they were able to find it. And then we had to go on to a very aggressive chemotherapy uh, regimen because at that point cancer had like a seven-month head start on me. And uh, we had to, you know, get rid of this because, you know, I was high uh, stage three, almost stage four cancer by the time they found it. So uh, it, it's been it's been quite a year. It really has. A lot to be thankful for that, of course, being at the top of the agenda. And, of course, you got an Alabama football team that's going to be gearing up for Michigan pretty soon. You know, you've been to the Rose Bowl before. I've been reading where yes. ticket prices are going through the roof on this, almost double what the Sugar Bowl is. I have saw, like, StubHub has come out, and I, I don't remember all the stats, but said, like, you know, you're looking at tickets like a thousand dollars and above, and then some of those high price seats are right around five fifty, five sixty. And then you add in, and that's you add in the ticket, to the airfare. I know from here right now, we checked the other day the airfare from Birmingham round trip. Well, you can't even get into Los Angeles. Uh, I know a lot of our people are flying into San Diego and driving up the coast. Some people are flying into Las Vegas and driving the few hours over. Uh, they can't get into LAX because that's the code for the LA airport because they, uh, the seats are all sold out. And what you can find is in the area of eleven and twelve hundred dollars. So it is just uh, between the game and the fact that Los Angeles obviously is a, a very, very busy area, and it's, uh, you know, holiday time, et cetera, et cetera. It's New Year's Day. Uh, it's a very expensive proposition. It really, really is. And uh, as a matter of fact, I was uh, talking to somebody the other day, and they said that in some areas, in some hotels, uh, Tickets, excuse me, rooms are are already into the thousands of dollars. Hotel rooms uh, for the night, for the night, not the whole weekend, but uh, it'll cost you, you know, five or six thousand uh, for the weekend uh, to, uh, to 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 find a place to hang out. So yeah, it's a very expensive proposition, but people are going. Yeah, and I and I think Lee only brought it up to you because I think I think he wants Uncle Eli to throw a couple stocking stuffers in our in our in our stockings <laughs> this Christmas. <laughs> ho ho ho! No, yeah. <laughs> I wish I could help you, did but you, uh, did you no, ever? That's, that's that's not going to happen. Uh, not to get too personal, <laughs> but in, in your days traveling to these bowl games, did you ever get tickets given to you, or do you have to buy them? Well, my contract did call for tickets to every home and away game. So I was able to get those uh, when I was working. Uh, if I'm not working, I don't get the tickets. And uh, But that's, yeah, I've always had uh, tickets because uh, I just I wrote that into my con. Well, I just didn't write it in. It was agreed upon. But uh, I, I did get uh, home game and road game tickets uh, for every game that the Tide played. And if it was a game that nobody could go to or could afford to go to or whatever, I would obviously just turn the tickets back. Uh, some people keep the tickets and sell them and pocket the money. I just didn't, I never did that. I just uh, wasn't comfortable doing that. So I 
would, uh, you know, give them back to the university and uh, and move on. Let's name another conference that can go two hours, two networks to reveal a schedule which actually had been released uh, even prior, although not specifically. Yeah. Did you get a chance to watch any of the show last night? I did not watch the show. No, actually, I was on my way to Tuscaloosa, uh, the, the Crimson Tide Sports Network. Uh, we had our uh, Christmas party at our boss's house last night in Tuscaloosa. So I was uh, on the interstate uh, heading that way uh, when the release came out. So uh, it w I, was, I was happy to see the dates and what have you. I knew who we were playing. I knew a lot of the stuff already. But, uh, yeah, that's the SEC, you know, and that's, you know, I, that's how big the Southeastern Conference is. And now, of course, with ESPN, the ESPN family of networks, uh, you know, being the home for the Southeastern Conference, uh, I wasn't surprised the way uh, – uh, the media split came about in announcing uh, the schedule because, uh, you know, with CBS no longer involved, uh, ESPN's got it, and they're going to milk it for all it's worth. Plus, they can put the top game at 6.30 rather than at 2.30, which CBS normally did. Sometimes they would move like the LSU-Alabama game tonight. Obviously, the Georgia-Alabama game sticks out next year on that SEC sure. schedule. Would you like to see them go to nine conference games, or do you just not care? I really don't care as far as, uh, you know, as far as Eli, the sports fan, is concerned. You know, uh, I, don't, I don't mind. Uh, you know, obviously there's a newness to this coming season, what with the Oklahoma game now all of a sudden becoming a conference game. And there's a newness because, you know, we go to Wisconsin uh, where, you know, Camp Randall Stadium is a place we've never been uh, in, in, in my lifetime at least. Uh, so I, I think that's fine, but uh, I, I don't care. You know, as long as, uh, as long as my favorite team is playing on a Saturday and it's a, a competitive game, I'm, I'm happy to see it. But, uh, but no, I, I, it, it doesn't really matter to me now for the players who now make sh who will make this will assure to a nine game schedule would have assured that everybody plays everybody over the course of somebody's uh, collegiate career. Well, that's nice. That's a good deal. You should play everybody at least once. But uh, it, it doesn't matter to me. The, the most significant point of the Alabama schedule next year, and here we are, we still have some very important game or two yes. to go, and they, they have this big show prior to the college football playoff. The fact that the week before the Iron Bowl, when they normally play, let's say, an easier team, a, a softy, they have Oklahoma. And Auburn has what Texas A&M, I believe. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a new look. It's a new look, no question about it. But uh, you know, you got to beat them all the time. Everybody, especially in this conference, uh, you got to beat who you play. So whether you play them now or then, the only difference is if there's an injury uh, and 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 for resting. But you know, we have two off weeks this coming season. Uh, Bama does. There are two bye weeks on the schedule. So it's not like you're playing eight games before you get a breather. Uh, there will be two off weeks. So that's going to um, maybe take a little bit of the pressure off so you can afford to play a, 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 
a, a bigger name opponent than not uh, the weekend before the Iron Bowl. Yeah, and I'm on a, I'm on the Eli. I'm on the fence about that first open day because it's a little early. I mean, it's only after it is a little early. Yeah. It's after three it games, sure but but you get the open date right before Georgia. So, like I said, I'm on the fence about it, but I, I can't imagine. And I think they made this point yesterday that a coach is thrilled about having an off day after just three games. Well, probably not. But at the same time, if you have early season injuries or if you have, you know, the need for an off week, you know, what would it have been like this year if Alabama had played the tennis, excuse me, the Texas game and then went on the road to South Florida this year and then had an off week? Would it have been any different? I mean, had they, because clearly, there was you wanted to build some momentum you didn't want to have an extra week off after yeah. the using again using this year's schedule uh, you didn't want to have an, an, another week off after the South Florida game so it might have been a little this might be a little bit early but uh, you know these guys take a beating they take a beating and the heat that we normally this year was a little more comfortable in some regards temperature wise uh, it, it was still not cool by any stretch, but, uh, you know, it, it is what it is. Everybody's going to deal with it, but, uh, yeah, it is a, a, a tick early, but uh, that's okay. That's how, all right. How can Dex Imaging make your uh, December even happier than it already is? Well, I, I punched up the button the other day, and it came. The the, the, the message came up. I was a true story. I'm doing the uh, Birmingham Bowl. I'm doing the play-by-play -play for uh, for Duke uh, and uh, Troy, and I was getting ready to do some new notes and this, that, and the other. And I hit the button, and up came the message. Cartridge low, uh, ink you know running out. Basically, I paraphrase, and I said, "Oh heck, I don't need this now." I picked up the phone. I called the guys at Dex. The next day, through uh, FedEx, here came a whole new set of full-color cartridges. I didn't have to worry about it. I knew anything that I might encounter was just a phone call away. That's what you get when you deal with Dex Imaging. They're not just there to sell you a machine. They service it. They make sure everything is working perfectly. And in the case when you do eventually run out of a, a certain color ink or cartridge of ink, as they call it, they'll send it to you overnight. I got a whole package the next day, and that didn't lose much work at all. So. Uh, they're good people. The folks you kind of, the kind of people you want to deal with. Dex Imaging, D E X. Eli, great stuff as always, man. Have a great weekend, and we'll do it again next week. Thank you. S sounds good, guys. Take care. That's All Eli right. Gold, the voice of the Crimson Tide. Birmingham Bowl, a perfect example of what we're looking at in bowl games. Both teams with, had lost their head coach. Uh, some roll to Tulane and Elko, of course, Texas A&M. Riley Leonard's not playing. Obviously, he's headed to Notre Dame, and I'm sure there's some other players. And so, you know, that's just the way it is these days in these bowl games, except for the college football playoff, that coaches come and go and players come and go. And uh, this was going to be a big, big moment for Troy to get into that Birmingham Bowl. So another pro to a 12-team playoff is there'll be fewer folks opting out of games. And fewer coaches leaving before the season's over. How about that? Well, that would be I nice. I mean, it's minimal, but. And how about the fact that Texas A&M and Notre Dame. I love it. Uh, start the season because they made this point yesterday. So Duke's former coach 
is facing Duke's former quarterback at the beginning of next year's season. I, I said this at the outset of the show because I've been texting Riley Leonard, hoping to get him on the show. And he texted me back and said he couldn't be on. He could not be on with this this morning or tomorrow morning because he's practicing. And I'm like, practicing with who? And that's <laughs> what I sent him back. He said, I'm still practicing with Duke. Now, I didn't question that. That was something maybe we'd ask him on the air. But do, do players do that after they transfer? You leave a school, you're going to another, yet you still go back and practice with the, the team you were once with? He's not playing in the bowl game now. Yeah, but he's just practicing with them. My take on this is that he is there to stay in shape, and because this is the kind of kid he is, he is he is willing to go out there and help in any way that he can to help his team get prepared for their bowl game. I he may not be as obviously the starting quarterback, but if he needs to get reps with a guy, I bet you that's what he's doing. Yeah, and and again, I don't know how how much he can practice because again, you remember he's had quite a few injuries after that Notre Dame game. Uh, so, you know, he may, as you said, just be out there just trying to stay in shape somewhat. But I, I guess when I first saw that, I said, well, are you, you practicing with Notre Dame? <laughs> yeah, all right. No. Uh, all right. So let's do this. Let's uh, let's let's uh, wrap up our number two. When we come back, we'll catch up with uh, David McCrary of LCM Motor Cars. Paul Perillo will kick off our number three. He covers the New England Patriots. Does the uh, Patriots future include Bill Belichick? At 8.30, Justin Ferguson will talk some Auburn. We'll get the schedule update. There's a report out there that Auburn basketball is spying on its opponents by recording their practices prior to the start of home games for Auburn. We haven't even had a chance to get into that. We'll ask him about that as well. All right, taking a break. It's the opening kickoff right here on the sports station, WNSP. Hi, I'm Bobby Humphrey, and when I'm in Mobile, I'm listening to WNSP FM 105.5. The opening kickoff continues on WNSP, and it's time to highlight the cars of the week with David McCrary at LCM Motor Cars in Theodore. David McCurry, LCM Motorcars, LCMMotorcars.com, joins us here on the sports station. We know it's Christmas time. There's some gifts out there. Maybe the budget's tight. David, you guys got stuff on the lot for every price range. We do, Mark. We've got a great inventory right now. We've got over 60 cars on the ground. Um, we've got a half a dozen cars. Or no, we've got a do more than a dozen cars, under 10 grand. So um, if you're looking for something inexpensive that you can still finance and maybe just put nothing down or $500 down, get a decent payment, we've got a great inventory for it right now. And you'll put a bow on it this time of year, too. Absolutely. Give them a poinsettia. <laughs> uh, I was out there yesterday, <laughs> and I, I'll tell people, I was out there yesterday. There might be a certain guy out there that might debate a little college football with you. I noticed one of the guys out there wearing, dare I say, a Washington Huskies hat. Well, just because they can debate don't mean they know what they're talking about. Ah, that is a great point. I, I should have used that. I'm going to write that one down. All right, tell <laughs> uh, tell everybody what's the best time to come see you, what are your hours, and, and tell everybody where you're located. We're at Highway 90 and Plantation in Theodore. It's one mile south of I-10, exit 15A. Uh, we'll be there from 9 to 6 today, um, the rest of the week, and then um, 9 to 2 on Saturday. And then you can give us a call, 251-375-0068. Hey, David, thank you, man. We appreciate it. Have a good day. That's Dave McCurry, LCM Motorcars, LCMMotorcars.com. Go check it out. I was out there. I was literally out there yesterday. 
Uh, they got a ton of inventory out there, and they got folks eager to help you uh, make the purchase that you want. And a reminder, if they don't have what you need or what you're looking for, down to the color, they will find it for you if it's out there. They, they, they get cars from all over the country. It's a pretty impressive operation. We encourage you to take advantage at LCM Motor Cars and LCMMotorCars.com. Uh, all right, so somebody said Mark's just making stuff up. He didn't use the word stuff. Sources about this Auburn thing. If I did not say there was a report, let me rephrase. There is a report out there that Auburn is uh, recording teams as they come in. Traditionally, college teams come in the day before a game. They get practice time on the, on the home floor. There is a report out there citing anonymous SEC coaches that they were recording other teams' practices and essentially – Stealing plays or stealing signs. I didn't say it Back was like true. in the 2018 season. 2017, 28 seas, 2018. Kind of a nebulous story in a sense because they brought it up. This was what I found interesting. You know, when they have these SEC meetings, apparently it was brought up at a coach's meeting, but nobody was pointing a finger at anybody. And then the South Carolina coach at the time, Frank Martin, basically told – the coaches either look put up or shut up if you're going to name somebody do it nobody stood up to point the finger at bruce pearl or auburn and then the story which came in usa today by the way dan walken wrote the story uh it wasn't anything we manufactured uh but it appeared on al.com so but what's fascinating okay so this is back in 2017 2018 why now does it become a story who leaks a story like this uh, the SEC never pursued it, and again, this is one of those stories, if in fact it did happen, and I don't know if it did or not, it'd be awfully difficult to prove, especially going back in that time. Yeah. Uh, somebody who said, why are you circulating BS? WNSP is fake news. <laughs> why are you so mad, bro? Like I don't. I yeah, don't, the I don't. Auburn fans were not happy about this one. Well, I don't think any fan base would be happy. I didn't hearing say about it was this. true. I'm just saying there's a report out there. Yeah, that even the, nobody's been able to really get get underneath this because obviously there's no smoking gun. You don't have a Connor. <laughs> you don't have somebody that is going to come forward and say anything like this. Plus, that what I found, like I say, the thing fascinating about the story, and I don't know, maybe Justin Ferguson knows, the fact that it came out, and it was during a, an SEC coaches meeting, and the speculation and why Auburn was targeted, I don't know, because nobody would, would point, none of the coaches would speak out against him. Let, let me tell you, and this is not, this is not in any way, directed at Auburn or any specific school, but I will tell you this happens. It has to. Why? There are cameras all over facility. Oh, yeah. And now Greg and Sankey. opponents, not just SEC, but opponents have people go around while they're practicing to make sure that, one, nobody's watching, and two, any and all cameras that might be in facilities are off. Yeah, Greg Sankey did come out, I don't know, not now maybe, but maybe back when, and said that teams have to be advised where the cameras are. Did you see that? That yeah. they have to be told, like if you go to, in this case, Neville Arena, where, where there are cameras, in essence. No, you're right. Uh, and certainly oh, they're all, all these modern uh, arenas are equipped with all kinds of stuff like that. Um, and then I, like I say, Mark, 
I not being the basketball XO guy that you are, I could sit and practice and not begin to tell you what's going on as far as signals, anything like that. To me, it was just whether the ball's in the air or in the basket or not. You obviously would probably be able to pick up stuff like that. Maybe you even do at high school games. I don't know. Do you? Uh, I'm not can you pick up another, like, not not that you did anything wrong. I'm just saying, can you pick up, like, if you're looking at a game and sure. what, what the signs are from the opposing bench and no, things like that? No, I mean, I, they don't use signs as much That's as they what I thought. That's plays. What I mean, they use lingo, but, I mean, once they run it once, you, you, you know if they're running flex or if they're running some sort of, like, Princeton chin or, you know, whether they're running a zone or a man press or whatever. It only takes once or twice to see them do it before you know they're going to do it again. That's my point. I don't think you have to be a, a real, you know, have to have stuff like this to be able to pick up what's going on on a basketball court. Yeah. I couldn't, but you could. Um, all right. Hour number three, Paul Perillo, uh, for all you guys that are so sensitive about us talking about basketball today, because apparently y'all don't like that topic either. Man, you guys are, you guys are sensitive today. Um, uh, yeah. Paul Perillo is going to join us. We're going to talk some uh, NFL. Uh, Justin Ferguson will be along talk some Auburn. Uh, we'll continue to talk about the uh, SEC schedule as well as we uh, continue uh, in hour number three. We might even offer up a little daily dose of fried deliciousness. Basketball question. Is that okay? Hey, I don't know about all that. Read the room. You got to be ready fine. to pivot on a dime. On oh, a I see like what you today. did. I see what you did there. It wasn't intentional, but I'll take the pat on the back. Wow. Look at you. You're going to get the game ball. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hour number two is in the uh, is in the books. Here comes uh, hour number three. We what would be the radio equivalent of a game ball? A mic? A I was going to say, I was going to say microphone. Lee sheet. The call sheet? <laughs> Lee. Who gets you're, the call sheet? You're going to get the call sheet. Congratulations, Bronner. You get the log. Well done. You're going to take the log <laughs> home with you. All right. Uh, hang with us. We appreciate you being a part of our show. It's a Thursday edition right here on the Sports Station WNSP. This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all-sports radio station, 105.5 FM, WNSP, and on the Sound of Mobile app. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim, Lee Shervanian, and Michael Brauner. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark, Lee, and Michael. All right, 8.05, hour number three. Thanks for hanging with us. The opening kickoff just flying by here on a Thursday edition. We just got so much going on. All right, we've had a lot of headlines to get to where we are now. We had the West Virginia judge who uh, basically with a 14-day restraining order, anybody who has entered the portal now can play immediately. You don't have to have a waiver. Now, of course, that will be uh, revisited. NCAA is going along with this court uh, decision as of now. We'll see what happens uh, after the hearing. NBA news, Draymond Green suspended indefinitely for that fracas the other night. Uh, a loose 
uh, a ball that a game ball became the issue of a confrontation between the Bucks and Pacers after the Bucks won Giannis with a 64 one of the game ball as a memento couldn't find it because Indiana took it into their locker room. I had a little bit of a scuffle or a confrontation. Of course, we had the SEC scheduled revealed uh, yesterday in its entirety week to week. So that's out now. And then there was a story the other day that uh, Bill Belichick and the Patriots will part company at season's end. And to that, we want to bring in Paul Perillo, Patriots.com. Paul, many, many thanks for joining us. Good morning. How are you today? I'm doing well, guys. Happy holidays. Happy holidays to you up there in the great New England area. So how much truth is there as far as you know? Is this a definitive uh, story that indeed that uh, Robert Kraft is going to part company as they use that word? I'm sure there's better words, too, with Bill Belichick after the season's end. Yeah, you know, this is an interesting one. You know, there's been a lot of talk over the last, I don't know, I'd say two months at least, you know, about Bill Belichick's future here. And the the, the prevailing thought is that this is going to be it. Um, Come the end of the season, I think they will have a, you know, quote-unquote mutual parting of the ways. Um, You can call that whatever you want, a firing or, you know, a dismissal or whatever. But uh, I do think that this will be the end. Now, the report that I think you guys are talking about, I think it was more of a, you know, uh, it, it was said on a, on, a, on a television show, you know, one of the many, you know, sports talk shows that we have uh, here in, in the Boston area. And it wasn't really, I don't think, meant to be a definitive report, but that's certainly how it's been taken um, here and uh, nationally as well. I, I don't think he necessarily meant it to be as strong as it came off, but I also think it's, it's accurate. I think that Robert Kraft has, uh, you know, as of now, I think Robert Kraft has made the decision that he plans on moving on. How that's going to unfold, we don't know. I think that's the, the remaining part that people are trying to figure out because Belichick is still under contract for next year, reportedly, uh, for the 24 season. There's a chance that Robert Kraft could not fire him and try to work out some kind of a trade um, like they have with other coaches in the past, John Payton being the most recent example. Uh, so you could try to get some compensation, or, you know, does he want to pay Bill Belichick his salary, and then why have him wind up coaching somewhere else next year? So I think some of those things are still to be worked out, but I think the prevailing wisdom here in New England is that this will be it at the end of the year for uh, for Bill Belichick. So Paul, going back in history, when the Patriots first brought him in and all the turmoil he was supposed to be the Jets coach and then at an impromptu press conference he said no and he left the Jets hanging and then he goes to the Patriots and of course there were trade the, the, the commissioner had to get involved it was a total mess what has transpired what do you think has been the defining moment that Robert Kraft after all these Super Bowls and all the fanfare that has come with the Patriots where did it go south that he has finally decided enough's enough Yeah, I think there's probably a a laundry list that we could go over, but I think if you want to boil it down to one simple fact is they have not really come close to um, figuring out the quarterback position. And and no one thought that, you know, you were going to let Tom Brady go and, you know, we'll just pick the next guy and it'll be business as usual and we'll continue to win six Super Bowls the way we did with Brady. I don't think anybody had that kind of an unrealistic expectation, but... You know, right from the first year, you know, we were sitting around in uh, almost July without really a quarterback option on the roster at all. 
when Belichick decided to sign Cam Newton. Obviously, that didn't really work. He um, he was done. Uh, Cam was done. I thought he played hard that year and ran well, but just couldn't throw the ball. So they had a miserable seven and nine season. Um, and frankly, they were pretty fortunate to be seven and nine um, the way some of the games unfolded. So uh, they had nothing there. They decided to go into the draft. They got the fifth quarterback in the draft, which is never a good, you know, never a good way to go about it. Uh, with Mac Jones, um, you know, he's taken 15th overall. Obviously, you guys are more than familiar with Mac's game uh, from his time down there. It, 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 it was initially there was some promise as a rookie. I thought they did a great job of sort of managing him, um, keeping him out of bad situations. They, they played with a lead almost exclusively during that season, and they also got very fortunate to play a lot of backup quarterbacks that season, and the defense sort of carried the load. The last two years, um, and a lot of this is, is on Belichick too, but it just has gone really sour for Mac Jones. His, his play has been poor. His decision-making has been poor. And a lot of that, I, I do think, it falls on Belichick's lap. So if you're asking me, where does it go wrong with, you know, where did, how did Robert come to this decision? If I, if I had to say one thing, it's just a, a poor handling of the quarterback, whether it be Cam Newton, Mac Jones, the decision to put a defensive coordinator as offensive coordinator last year, not a great way to develop a young quarterback. And now you look, you, you went from a rookie quarterback who made the playoffs to a guy who's lost his job to Bailey Zappi. So I think someone has to answer for that. And I think, unfortunately, it's going to end up being Belichick. Paul, there seems to be kind of a split in the fan base. Obviously, one side is louder than the other on what to do with Belichick. But there's something to the thought, I think, that you know, you have this coach that, you know, you lost your two best players on the defense. The defense is still performing every week. Obviously, you need a defined overhaul on offense. But at the same time, you can chalk it up to the fact, all right, you didn't hit on your first-round pick. You're going to obviously be bringing in a new guy. You know, why why necessarily completely start over when you have a coach who is still producing one of the better defenses in football with two without right. two of its best players? Yeah, I, I would say, um, you know, and I, and I mentioned when the original question, um, there's probably a, a laundry list of things that we can talk about. Well, we can get to the reason why they're 3-10 and 10 is goes far beyond the quarterback. They're, they're, they're a talent, uh, really a talentless roster. Um, and it goes over the last eight or ten years of drafting. Uh, they haven't had a guy that they've kept for a second contract in about six years, seven years, um, you know, coming out of the draft. They've had a laundry list of, of busts. Nikhil Harry, Isaiah Wynn, uh, Sony Michelle, uh, Tyquan Thornton. These are, you know, very high drafted. Cole Strange was their first round pick two years ago. He's in and out of the lineup as an offensive guard. Um, you know, so that to me that, that they're three and ten in large part because there's just not a ton of uh, talent on this roster. And and I would say even defensively. They've been fine defensively. Uh, it looks really good when you get to the stretch of the season that they've had where, you know, it was Indianapolis with a backup quarterback. It was the Chargers with, uh, you know, uh, in, a, in a monsoon here uh, in Foxborough. It was the Giants with a third-string quarterback. It was Pittsburgh with a backup quarterback. Earlier in the season, it didn't look that way when they were playing the regular teams. Miami marched it all over the field on them twice. Philadelphia was pretty successful. Uh, against them. So, when they, you know, Dallas obviously blew them out. So, when they were playing the better offenses, the, the defense was just sort of average. So, I think that just speaks to a lack of overall talent uh, on the roster top to bottom. 
and Bill is in charge of everything here. He's in charge of the of the personnel decisions and, and the and the draft and, and everything that goes with it. So when you get all the credit for all those wins over 20 years, you're going to get the blame when it goes bad. And it, it's been bad. I mean, this is this is a three and ten team. It's not a fluke. That's what they deserve to be. Paul Perlo, Patriots.com. Hypothetically, if this happens and Belichick and the Patriots uh, go in different directions, would you anticipate Bill still coaching? That seems to be a hot rumor. Maybe going to the broadcast booth. He didn't do that bad on game day last week. Uh, where would you see him <laughs> winding up? Yeah, I, I do think he wants to still coach. Um, I, you know, I don't pretend to have, a, you know, a, a close personal relationship with Bill, and I don't think too many of us uh, around here have that. But my feeling is uh, when I watch the guy, he still looks like that guy who um, loves every element of what he does for a living. And I'd be very surprised if he walked away from it. Uh, I don't know what the market will be for him. I, I do think there'll be solid takes as one. Uh, so I do think there'll be a, you know, a team or two that's interested. Now, he's also going to be 72 come April. So I, I think if you're a team that's you know, really looking to rebuild, I'm not sure he's your best option. Now, if you could get a team like the Chargers or um, you know, someone else that has some talent in place, but the coach isn't, isn't getting the job done, and I think it certainly looks like Staley could be done with the Chargers, I think a, a team like that would make some sense. But, you know, some of the other ones like, uh, you know, Chicago or Washington, I'm not, I'm not really sure those, those rebuilds would make sense for a 72-year-old coach. Robert Kraft has done a decent job, I would say. And he had uh, Pete Carroll there for a while, although he didn't keep him. And Carroll went on to be successful. Belichick, anybody out there that uh, would be a good fit for the Patriots? Yeah, it's a great point. We were talking about this before. You know, in Robert Kraft's ownership, they've had three head coaches, and all three of them are going to be Hall of Famers. You know, with Bill, I mean, he didn't hire Bill Parcells, but that was his first coach. Um, he's already in the Hall of Fame, and certainly Pete Carroll and Bill Belichick will be there one day. Um, so he's had good success, um, you know, picking his coaches. There's a, a train of thought here that Gerard Mayo, who's a former player, um, you know, obviously uh, was a very good linebacker for this team. He's been part of the defensive coaching staff, more or less the co-defensive coordinator with Steve Belichick. There seems to be a line of thought that, that there's a succession plan in place here, and he's going to take over. Now, I know ESPN had some reports yesterday that indicated that that may not necessarily be a done deal. So my personal preference, no one asked me because no one, you know, Bill doesn't come down to my office and say, what do you think we should do? But if he did, I, I would look for an offensive guy. I, I would look for... You know, a young offensive coordinator that's had some success in the league, and there are a handful of names. You guys know who they are. You know, you know uh, Ben Johnson in Detroit and, and maybe Bobby Slowick with Houston. Some of these guys that have had success running the modern offense, I think that's where, where the Patriots have really fallen behind is their system has really been largely the same for 20-plus years. And, you know, when Tom Brady's not running it, it doesn't really look – um, all that productive. So I think they need to find a fresh perspective offensively and go from there. Hey, Paul, we really appreciate you jumping aboard. Tell folks how they can continue to follow your coverage of all Patriots news on and off the field. Yeah, well, we're just, you know, it's Patriots.com. Everything is digital, as you guys know nowadays. We do a ton of podcast work, and they can all be fine anywhere you, you subscribe to your podcast. But we do Patriots Unfiltered uh, is probably the biggest one that I would plug in. We do that on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday from 12 to 2 um, here Eastern time. 
uh, in Foxborough, and we have a lot of fun with it. We cover everything that we can with the Patriots, uh, I guess, on, on Twitter or X, it's at PFW Paul. Uh, and, we, you know, we've, we're going to have a pretty interesting offseason because I, I do think they're, for the first time in a long time, we're going to have some major changes. Hey, man, thank you for the time. We appreciate it. All right, thanks for the time, guys. Well, certainly Bill Belichick has had a lot of success, at least in the first 20 years, when he had a fellow named Tom Brady helping him out. But over here in Mobile, talk about success. Our team of the day, Bachelor Service. They've been doing business for well over 50 years, serving the heating and air conditioning needs of Mobile and Baldwin County homeowners. And you've heard us many times talk about the $79 deal the tune-up special for heating and air conditioning. Uh, there's a lot of other boxes to check, the plumbing services that are available, the generators, plus they install dike and heating and air conditioning equipment, which makes some of the most technologically advanced systems at a very, very affordable price. I can tell you that if you've got an issue or a problem and you're hooked up with bachelor service, you're in good shape. They'll come out, whether it's the weekend, whether it's the holiday, and take care of your needs. So our team of the day, we thank Rick True. We thank bachelor service. You can uh, look them up at uh, bachelorservice.com. All right. Uh, we come back with traffic and weather. Justin Ferguson, we'll talk some Auburn at 830. We'll talk to you next, 694-1055. The opening kickoff continues right here on the sports station, WNSP and WNSP.com. So who has the hardest schedule in the SEC next year? It's all about perspective. We'll discuss. Hi, everybody. Jennifer Hale here from the NFL on Fox. And you're listening to 105.5 WNSP in Mobile. Chick-fil-A. <laughs> I could eat there seven times a day. Where the people laugh and children play. Oh, I'm in love with Chick-fil-A. All right, 824, your daily dose of fried deliciousness. Here you go, boys and girls. There are two NBA teams that are in the midst of long losing streaks. The Detroit Pistons have lost 21 straight. They got beat last night by the Sixers. The San Antonio Spurs, even though they got a great game last night from Wimbayana, they got beat by the Lakers. They've lost 18 straight. For your Chick-fil-A gift card, you call Michael, tell him, name the NBA franchise that holds the record for the most losses. And it's not necessarily in one season. It could be an overlap. So give him the answer. Who's got the longest losing streak regular season NBA? All right, there you go. A basketball question. Sorry. Fight the power. All right, uh, so you guys can do that. We're going to talk some Auburn coming up with Justin Ferguson at 830. Uh, we can also talk to you here at 694-1055. Do you have a feel? Do you guys have a feel for who had the the toughest schedule? I mean, they're all tough, right? Yeah, but, but it's it's tough at this point. I say it's tough at this point because, again, you, until we, everything gets settled, personnel and so forth, um, if I'd like to know who's going to be, if LSU is going to bring in a, back, a quarterback, maybe Nussmeyer, I think they got a, a, a difficult task uh, with UCLA and Southern Cal. See, I think that's overrated. I don't. I think those are two uh, teams. He can't, I, it's hard to say right now as far as just SEC games. Anytime you have to go to Alabama and Georgia like Auburn does, I think you have a very tough schedule. Um, 
Yeah, that Auburn, I guess, because of the road trips to Alabama and Georgia, arguably the two best teams in the conference. I think it's I think it's Florida. Florida. Yeah. Let me let me look at uh, Florida's schedule here. And I, th- I mean, it's not like we haven't known the opponents because those were released a while ago. Um, you know, I think that was kind of the prevailing thought at the time. I guess it's kind of friendly because they open with three straight home games. But, you know, they've got A&M. They've got LSU. They generally do. Ole Miss, Florida State, obviously, they play Texas instead of Oklahoma. Obviously, they play Georgia. They'll play Miami to open up the season. So they have, to your point, they have not only do they bookmark or book in their schedule two rivalry games, right? They open with Miami and they end at Florida State. Yeah. To your point, after their last open date, they have Georgia neutral site at Texas, LSU, Ole Miss. Yeah. So I think Ole Miss is going to be really that's good. That's brutal. Year, to get Georgia at Texas back to back, that sucks. I'm not going to lie. That sucks. To well, end Georgia, Texas, LSU, Ole Miss, Florida State yeah. is absolutely they, – they might go 0-5. Plus the uh, Florida team is trending right now not in a good direction. Players are leaving, bailing out. Uh, Napier did not have that great a year this year. Uh, there's a lot of issues deep inside the program. And, of course, unless you get those resolved with player personnel – that makes the schedule that much more difficult for the Florida Gators. It's kind of a shame, too, because this used to be such a top team and everything, and people anticipated the Florida-Tennessee game, the Florida-Georgia game, but, boy, have they gone south since uh, Urban Meyer left. Now, I mean, Georgia's is nothing to sneeze at either. I, I know Georgia's Clemson, tough. Clemson ain't necessarily Clemson, but— they'll be better. They'll be, yeah. I mean, it's hard to believe they'll be worse. They have to go—Georgia's got to go to Auburn, I mean, to Alabama. They have to go to Texas— um, so, I mean, you're, you're facing two of the college football playoff <laughs> participants. <laughs> sure. Um, so yeah, I mean, I guess the, the other point is that you won't find an easy schedule. Um, yeah, Paul, Paul said that earlier. I mean, you know, no, no one won last night. Right. The SEC did. No, Lee, no one's Lee, going undefeated Lee over in the here SEC. Wanting, uh, it, he did make a good point when we talked to him, and maybe we'll get into this at the end of the, the show, because Lee still wants to see nine conference games. Oh, absolutely. But his point was, man, after seeing the eight conference game schedule, Yikes. bro, could you imagine adding another high-profile yeah. SEC well, game Well, what schedule? you would do if you add the ninth and you eliminate having to face another Power 5 team. But you, but you think we have to... You well, want to see them coming. add a power? Yeah, I think I think it is coming of a ninth game. Woo, I wouldn't want you scheduling my. T- I wouldn't want you to be my AD. That's for sure. Heartburn. J- yeah, a lot. Justin Ferguson's next. Stay with us. All right, eight thirty-two. Welcome back in. The opening kickoff continues. Right here on the sports station, WNSP and WNSP.com. We've been talking about the SEC schedules uh, pretty much all day. Uh, My guess is that'll be a big topic of conversation at this point as well. It will, but first, let's congratulate Jimmy, who got the answer to our Chick-fil-A question. Philadelphia 76ers. I do want to thank Kemco Meadow Builders for coming aboard as a sponsor, leading into Justin Ferguson with the Auburn Observer. Justin, good morning. How are you today? 
I'm doing well. How are y'all? Wonderful. All right, we'll start out with the uh, Auburn schedule for next year. What was your thought process, your take on uh, Auburn going forward in 2024? Yeah, I thought it was, you know, for a year where you have to play Georgia and Alabama on the road, it's not a terrible schedule for Auburn. There's not a, you know, there's not some stretches where you feel like it's just overly brutal. I think it's quirky more than anything. Uh, you have five home games to start the year, and then you don't play a home game in October. Um, but that's, I mean, you know, we've seen that before. Uh, the 2022 schedule had five straight home games to start the year. 2019, I remember, had a, had a stretch where they didn't play a home game in October. Um, so it's not something that, you know, Auburn fans are completely unfamiliar with. Um, but in a year where you're not going to have a big marquee game like Georgia or Alabama, in Jordan Hare, I thought it ended up being a fairly fairly decent schedule for Auburn, and, and you've got an opportunity now. You look like you trade Ole Miss and, and LSU uh, basically on the schedule for for like a Kentucky and a Missouri, and and you know both of those teams had pretty good years this year. But um, you know I think for Auburn, I think if you want to continue to take steps forward as a program, you've got an ability here to uh, to take step step up uh, next season. Uh, this this schedule is not going to be easy. It's never easy uh, when you're Auburn, but uh, it could have been a whole lot worse. And I think the way it's set up. Uh, could help Auburn out a pretty good bit. You like the uh, Texas a game a week before the Iron Bowl? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a pretty wild one. And then you, you consider, obviously, I think Alabama plays Oklahoma that weekend as well. Yep. So, I mean, there's going to be no rest heading into the Iron Bowl, which uh, I think changing that up a little bit, I think it should be fun for uh, for fans. But, yeah, it's going to be a, it's going to be a pretty physical stretch there for, for, for both teams, and it'll be a very interesting matchup for sure. Yeah, I think A&M and then at Alabama almost probably almost rivaled by Oklahoma at home and then turning around and going <laughs> straight to Georgia. Like there's just there's just no there's no there's no place to take a breath it seems like on any of these schedules. No, there's not. And and I think, you know, if you if you're Auburn, you know, you look at your schedule and you think, yeah, there's some tough spots in there. Um and then you look at like a Florida or a Mississippi State or an Arkansas and you're like, well, it could have been a whole lot worse. Uh the other weird one I think for this schedule, I think Auburn's got to deal with you go to Kentucky and Missouri in back-to-back weeks. That's about two of the longest trips you can make in back-to-back weeks. But, yeah, I mean, I think when you have a schedule where, you know, you're you're not playing Ole Miss this year, you're not playing LSU, you're not playing a Tennessee, you're not playing a Florida. Like, um, you know, they, they drew a pretty favorable set of opponents. Uh, but, yeah, there are going to be some times where it kind of loads up. But it, it, to me, it's nothing like what we saw in the first half of the schedule this year. Uh, for Auburn football, I mean, when you look at SEC this past season, and you go A&M, Georgia, LSU, Ole Miss, just bang, 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 right, right back, back, back to back to back. Um, you know, that was pretty brutal. This one at least feels a little bit more spaced out. They have found a better opening opponent than Alabama A&M, though FCS opponent. That game will not even be televised on the SEC network. I mean, uh, you know, they've they've done this the last few years, having these opening games, these tune-up games early on. They play Cal in week two, finishing up that home and home series. Um, but yeah, I mean, they they've it's it's been a minute since we've seen Auburn play like a big game in week one. Um, I do wonder with the schedules in the future where they go to maybe they go to nine games maybe they change up the requirements of power five teams and stuff like that uh if you start seeing maybe some some tougher opponents in week one but yeah auburn didn't have an fcs game 
scheduled uh, or at least finalized uh, that we knew about until last night. And um, so with, with the schedule, with the, with the way the season breaks down this year, we get two off weeks because of the number of Saturdays, uh, you know, between Labor Day and, and Thanksgiving this year, um, you know, it, it's, it's going to be a, a very early tune-up. And uh, you look at Auburn's schedule, the way it sets up, really good chance to be 4-0 heading into Oklahoma, which I think would be a really good really good thing for them. Absolutely. All right, let me ask you this. A very, very hypothetical question. Will Peyton Thorne be their starting quarterback <laughs> when they open up against Alabama A&M? If I had to bet money right now, I would say yes. I mean, you look at Auburn at the moment, and they've taken this transfer portal and have really tried to address pretty much every position on the roster except for quarterback and running back. Um, and I think that's I think that's something that's very interesting uh, because, you know, Auburn, you know, struggled uh, this season just flat out. They just struggled throwing the ball against quality opponents and, and potentially running it back with the same quarterback. I know it's something that some Auburn fans, um, you know, might not have wanted to see, but I think Auburn is kind of, kind of looking at this in a, in a, in a thing of like value, um, especially monetary value. And basically like you look at the number of quarterbacks in the transfer portal. And if you want to get a guy that you feel like is going to be a clear upgrade from Peyton Thorne, it's going to cost a good bit of money. Um, you know, Thorne, you bring him back next year, you give him a full off season of work, um, which he didn't have this past year. You know, you have a fifth year quarterback guy with a lot of experience, get somebody that you feel like you could, uh, really, you know, get some improvement out of. You look, you think about how many transfer quarterbacks in college football look great in their second years this year. Um, you may, you may want to roll the dice on that, get a better team around them, um, upgrade your roster, more familiarity, and do that. Um, and then take that money that you're going to use to you know, get a big name quarterback in the portal and, and spread it out. You know, get a better recruiting class, and you know, get get some get some other positions in the transfer portal that don't quite cost as much when you talk about the NIL commitment. So, um, you know, I think I think for Auburn, it's a risk, obviously, um, if they decide to run it back. Um, but they have Peyton Thorne. They've also got a couple of young quarterbacks that they really like that I think are going to you know, be able to push them. Um, but you know, I do think in this transfer portal, this first window where you see a bunch of big-name quarterbacks trying to make moves, people thought Auburn was going to be in the mix there, but publicly that just hasn't been the case. And I think it's more of a, you know, I think we've seen it over the last couple of weeks now and, and the fact that Auburn is using that emphasis and their recruiting time and money to go out and, and try to address a bunch of other positions on the roster um, and, and get a better 2024 recruiting class, I think, is is, is a pretty big deal. And, you know, uh, I'll put it this way. Um, a lot of these guys who are in the portal that are really big-name quarterbacks, um, they're going to places that are a quarterback away from being contenders. Uh, Auburn, as it stands right now, is not a quarterback away. They need more players. They need, they need to be building more for the future than just 2024. And so I think when you have an experienced quarterback on your roster, you might be willing to kind of take a step back from, from that aspect uh, and, 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 you know, spread that money elsewhere. By the way, the uh, transfer quarterback from uh, Coastal Carolina, who Auburn maybe was looking at last year, he's going to North Carolina State this year. So he's off the, uh, the market right now. Okay, let's uh, switch gears. That story that appeared in USA Today yesterday, Dan Walken's story about Auburn Neville Arena, maybe – maybe being uh, the uh, arena where some of the coaches maybe were complaining about stealing signs with video practices and stuff like that. 
have you have you checked into that? Is there any legs to this story at all? Or I'd like to get your take on this one, Justin. Yeah, this is something that came up a few years ago uh, in the SEC. And if you read the story from Wolken, uh, you know, a few coaches in the SEC complained about it, had had kind of, um, you know, concerns and, and, and a speculation about it. And there was a meeting between the coaches and allegedly Frank Martin from South Carolina said, hey, you know, let's quit. Let's quit this anonymous kind of sniping behind people's back. If you got a problem, let's step up and say it. And nothing was said there. Nothing formal came out of it from the SEC. It didn't seem like the SEC, you know, found anything or you dug deep in the investigation. But, yeah, it's one of those things where, you know, um, would Stein, side stealing be in all the rage uh, right now with what happened at Michigan? Um, you know, this is something that, um, you know, you, you dug into a little bit more. Uh, Woken did over the over the last you know couple of weeks, and um, you know nothing came out about it. Um, nothing real, you know, significant. Auburn wasn't punished or penalized or anything like that. Doesn't seem to be anything that um, you know really was concrete there. But yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, I think it's one of those things where I think people are just kind of on high alert. And you know, got to keep in mind also this was several years ago. Uh, this was all the way back when Auburn made their first, uh, you know, NCAA tournament bid uh, under Pearl um, the year before the Final Four year. So it's, it, it has been a while. Uh, it is kind of an old story um, that, you know, didn't really have anything to it, um, didn't have a whole lot of life to it. Uh, but, you know, like I said, you know, with with what happened at Michigan cropping up, uh, it seemed like USA Today is kind of digging into kind of other examples and stories in the past. And, um, you know, I don't think it's going to really affect Auburn. All right, Justin, here's your uh, curveball for the day. Uh, it seems like nowadays right. with the uh, with transfer poor, there's always news. And not only do you need a law degree, but I think they need to start majoring in like sports law because I don't understand all this. But as I understand it. Uh, with the with the 14 day window here, is there anybody that you can think of on campus at Auburn right now who is sitting football or basketball or otherwise, because they didn't get an immediate transfer eligibility, that might actually be eligible in this 14 day period? You know, that's a great question. Um, I think I think Auburn has you know, not really had to deal with eligibility issues that much with their transfers. I know there's some guys that have tried to make those quick jumps, and you know, there's interesting things like you know, like well, obviously what happened with Tess Walker at North Carolina this year. But yeah, I mean, I, I think it, you know that you bring up a really good point. Like, it's been a while since I've I've actually had to see a transfer at Auburn sit. Um, yeah. You know, it has been <laughs> it has been all the way back since the you know I guess since before the waiver got started. Um, I think about. Uh, in basketball uh, a few years ago when Auburn went to the Final Four, um, one of the things that helped them out a ton getting to the Final Four is that um, they had they had you know one of their best players uh, for the next year had had, had several of them actually um, you know, have it have to sit on the bench uh, and, and play scout team. Um, so I mean it is it has been quite some time. Uh, since I've seen an Auburn player just not be eligible or not be ready to go immediately. I think it might be somebody, you know, I think the the, the, the bigger example, and we might see this coming up over here um, in the next couple of weeks, um, you know, we, we've seen guys who came to Auburn and weren't ended up not being starters and might made it made a jump elsewhere. I think of uh, T.J. Finley, um, you know, didn't get the starting job anymore. He had to wait until he graduated before he moved to Texas State. Um, and, you know, obviously had a pretty good year this past year. So maybe that's like an example. And I think with the whole, 
you know, whatever happened with that court case the other day and the injunction and all that, um, I do wonder if there's just the floodgates are going to be open even more. But, I mean, Auburn hadn't had one of these eligibility issues um, these last few years, but that's definitely something um, that I feel like are going to become more, or I guess less and less common uh, coming up here with, with the way the, the way the, the tide is turning really in, in the NCAA. Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer. Did you attend Auburn's game last night? I was. I was up there in Huntsville. In fact, I'm still up here in Huntsville. Oh, okay. uh, uh, yeah, it was a really good game for for Auburn. Um, pretty good crowd. Uh, also, a sellout crowd, about a little under seven thousand. And uh, Auburn hadn't been up here to Huntsville in, in quite some time, and uh, they were very excited to to get a home game, kind of like. Birmingham's gotten several for for Auburn games. Obviously, they Auburn went down to Mobile a few years ago as well, as y'all know. But um, yeah, pretty good crowd last night. And Auburn, you know, you pretty much took care of business against a team that you know just couldn't stay on the floor with them. So here's my question, though: their leading scorer going into last week was the, the big kid Broom, right? And mm-hmm. yeah, and the last two games, he's had a total, I think, of only like seven or eight points. From their from their big you know stud center, what's the deal there? Yeah, they're hitting a lot more shots from the outside. You're seeing a lot of teams um, really focus in on Broom, try to slow him down, uh, and then you 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 see like last night Auburn had 11 guys in their rotation. Every one of them hit multiple shots from the field. Uh, only a couple of them even scored double digits, and Auburn scored you know 80 something points. Uh, I think it's just. You know, Auburn has uh, Auburn's just hit more shots from the outside right now. Um, when Broom was going crazy uh, earlier this season, a couple weeks ago, when he was scoring just a ton of points, um, and you know he had a 30-point game, had a 23-point game right after that, Auburn was really struggling shooting the ball. This Auburn team is not really going to want to focus a lot of their offense through one guy. Um, so it's Broom took advantage of the fact that you know Auburn just wasn't shooting really well, and they had to get the ball down low to him last few weeks. Or last couple of games, I should say, as defenses have really keyed in on Broom, Auburn's been able to hit shots from the outside, stay more balanced. Um, so I think it's it's kind of more of that. Um, so yeah, I think I think Broom, you know, he had those big explosive scoring games earlier this season, uh, but really it's that's that's not his game as much as Auburn wants to be kind of more balanced. I think he's a guy who will give you double digit points tonight. He hadn't had in the last two games, um, but you know, like I said, defenses have really. Doubled him, focused on him, and, and done that. And Auburn's done a really good job around him of picking him up by just hitting those out shots. All right, man, full count. Here comes your last curveball. Uh, did you see this? Uh, yeah, did you see this whole thing with uh, Eugene Asante's Instagram Live and Ryan Williams and this young kid trying to recruit Ryan Williams to to Auburn? Oh yeah, the legend of Connor grows. Yeah, I mean, last week that was a that was a pretty big thing, and then uh, last night it got even bigger. I know. Uh, recruiting Ryan Williams, there was a uh, Jalen Simpson hopped in, and that was that was pretty funny. Yeah, yeah that was going on during the basketball game, uh, but we were kind of keeping an eye on it. And yeah, it's hilarious stuff. And you know, Eugene's such a great personality uh, on the team, and I think uh, you know fans have really loved him. And and this 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 these last couple of weeks where he's been hopping on with this kid. Uh, on, on Instagram Live is pretty funny. So, yeah, the, the, the legend grows. The legend of Connor grows. Well, uh, if, he, if, uh, if he, he was, gets – He was pretty passionate about his, his recruiting pitch last night to, to Ryan Williams. Well, if he – I mean, he'll hit unbelievable legendary status if he can get Williams to flip. Is there is there any chance at this point you think Auburn can flip Ryan Williams? 
I think they've got a chance, but I mean, I I, I believe with all my heart that Alabama is going to do whatever it takes to keep him. I mean, this dude is is a generational talent. This yeah. is, is one of the best high school football players I've ever seen. I mean, y'all know being down there uh, in that area, but um, I think they're going to have a chance. Um, they're going to they're going to try to get visits and all that. And and you know, I wouldn't put money on it. Obviously, I, I would I, if I had to make a pick, I would bet he would stay at Alabama. Uh, but Auburn's going to I think Auburn's got as good a chance as any to flip, and this is kind of their their specialty and. I think y'all appreciate this. So there was somebody who said last night uh, about Connor. I said he's, he, you know, Connor did more recruiting last night than Brian Harson did his entire two years at Auburn. So yeah. I think that's a pretty good. I think that's a pretty good, uh, pretty good assessment of the situation right now. Hey man, great stuff. We hit a bunch of different topics. Really do appreciate the time. How can people get any and all more information on any of that uh, in the, in the coming days? Yeah, AuburnObserver.com. It's uh, five dollars a month or fifty dollars a year. We're running a special here between now and the end of the year. Uh, sign up there. We email everything out to you, whether it's a newsletter or a podcast. So, whole lot of football, whole lot of basketball. We're keeping track of all the all the portal movement, all the recruiting, uh, and then also everything going on during basketball season as we get ready uh, for SEC play coming up. So, AuburnObserver.com. Sign up there. Hey, man. Thanks. Enjoy the weekend. We'll be in touch. Absolutely, thank you. Yep. All right, one final segment. It'll be a short one. You guys can jump in. 694-1055. The opening kickoff will set the table for a Friday edition. Stay with us right here on the sports station, WNSP. I'm Laura Rutledge with ESPN. You're listening to WNSP 105.5. Keep it right here for the best sports information in Mobile. Today, you guys can jump in. I'm sure that uh, Al Michaels can't wait for tonight's uh, NFL game on Prime. We have it at seven. Uh, Chargers and Raiders, considering nobody knows who the quarterbacks are going to be. Uh, Raiders have used three this year. We're not sure which one will get the call tonight. Chargers obviously need a backup, what with uh, Justin Herbert out for the year. But it's on tonight. We'll have it at seven o'clock. Prime will get it. Amazon. Right around uh, you know, with everything going on with the SEC, and I hate to say this four-letter word on the show, but all the basketball we were talking about, in addition to the SEC uh, schedule, I completely forgot that there was NFL football. There is an NFL game tonight. Not not exactly on the radar of uh, great matchups. It could have been, maybe, if you had your starting quarterbacks or if either team was doing well. The only thing that strikes me about the Chargers, again, were their coach be let go after this year and if so and hypothetically speaking would you want to hire a 72 year old coach to come coach your team belichick being that name uh i think the answer is it depends on the coach would you hire nick saban if there was a spot open i think in college i think most people would uh the the problem now is there's questions about whether or not belichick can somehow find the success that he previously had, right? It's one thing to, to question whether or not somebody would want Belichick, something different, if if you were looking to hire Nick Saban, right? We know Nick Saban knows what it takes and has continued to have that success. They're both ru- they're roughly the same age. You know what? Think back of this. I know it's an overplayed, but had Drew Brees signed with Miami, we may have been talking about Saban 
having somewhat the success that Belichick did. It's a quarterback-driven league. If you don't have that quarterback, if you heard the interview with Paul Perillo, it's been the downfall of the Patriots. My theory was, and it certainly has been substantiated, that when Brady left, they were going downhill because I gave him more of the credit than I did Belichick. Well, I mean, the, the, the flip side of that whole Breeze, you know, Saban scenario in Miami is, yeah, Breeze was highly successful in New Orleans, and they set all sorts of records for regular season wins, but they only had they only got one Super Bowl. So I don't know if we could say with any certainty that Nick Saban would have had, like, Bill Belichick success had Drew Breeze Go uh, back. Stayed in Miami. Go back to when Belichick to coached Cleveland. He had that all-star coaching lineup, Saban, a whole bunch of others. He didn't have success there. They weren't very good. He didn't have he didn't have the quarterback there. And then for whatever reasons, Robert Kraft took a flyer on him, thought he'd be really good, and, and it really wasn't until Brady came along. And I'll give Belichick credit. He went with Brady over Bledsoe. So he made the decision to get rid of the veteran quarterback who unfortunately had a very serious injury and then wound up going to Buffalo and doing okay. So he did make the decision. He made the right decision. But other than that, he has not made the good decisions on quarterbacks, and he didn't do well at Cleveland. So, you know, take it from there. But I, I don't know if – I mean, I don't know how much energy Belichick has to start all over again at that age. We're, we're running out of time, and this might have to continue into tomorrow. But it's such a tired conversation that I'm that I'm so sick of. I, I mean, so what? So you give him no credit for – 20 years of sustained – I understand that Tom Brady was a huge part of it, but, like, you think any other coach who played Tom Brady would have also won six Super Bowls and gone to 10? Like, it's ridiculous. How sick are you? Are you okay? I'm fine. <laughs> All right. You said you're very – you're sick and tired of it, so I didn't want you to get over uh, I, It's anxiety. just – I mean, I, I hate the Belichick or Brady who was more important. They were both important. I, I mean, uh, one of the Belichick worst is the greatest coach of all time and is also things, just about done. Both yeah, can argue be true. with me on this off the air. One of the worst things I've seen in the NFL, and it certainly plays out, the head coach should not be the talent evaluator and the uh, GM picking talent. And that's what Belichick has done. And as Paul Perillo pointed out, they haven't had anybody in the last few years. I, I, that I cannot argue with you on. Yay, we're all getting along. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. We're going to do it all again on a Friday edition of the opening kickoff. We appreciate you joining us. Until tomorrow at 6, see ya!